0: i Spaces And welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Today on the Ether, part two of the three-part space hosted by the DAO formerly known as LUNK. Will LUNK explode immediately? Let's take a listen.
1: Yeah, like these things, are not a big deal when the, when the chain is small. But like, let's say you were to be successful and you were to become big all of a sudden. Then the incentive to sort of like use some of that stake might be there so I, i'm not saying that we, we know for sure that someone's out there that has a huge amount or whatever it is but um yeah it's an interesting problem um it's a problem really this distribution problem is something that every blockchain faces even mm-hmm. at deception normally it's a real difficult thing to solve to get like organic widespread distribution one of the hardest things in crypto really it's also kind of and i think this that-
2: idea of like a, a genesis um set of validators is also really goofy like, who the, like, for instance, you know, um, do you remember the capricious sage stuff? <laughs> um, number one, it's just like random people, and they have, like, say, 1% of the stake of the network forever, which is nuts. Like, it's just crazy. Um, and a lot of them are kind of, uh, like, like, there are people in the Luna blockchain now who, who hate it and hate DoKwan and hate TFL and hate everything, um, but they're going to earn, like one like, the commission on 1% of the network inflationary yield forever. That's kind of mad. Um, it's it's like unfair because it's not a meritocracy. It's it's allocated immediately at genesis.
1: Yeah, it's like this. Uh, what something I learned a lot from this whole Luna, Luna classic Luna crash and everything else regarding it. Like, there's certainly a lot of lessons as far as like <laughs> the the distribution of coins, it matters, and all of these things. But I've also learned that like destruction can be a really useful tool. Like, I think it's the reason why like like in Hinduism and things like that, like there's a literal worship of, you know, and a naming of the God of destruction like Shiva or whatever, because like there is a sort of necessity there that uh, in decentralized game theory, you almost have to have a destructive element to happen. Like if you look at Luna V2, it's dramatically more decentralized. In fact, the polar opposite of what it was when it was like in its original form. And it was like, it's a beautiful thing, like this creative destruction that created this, crazy amount of decentralization that could not have been done like in a planned manner in or like there's not a clear way to have done it organically and almost no chain has done it right outside of like btc which was like a immaculate conception type of idea is the theory and some of that this decentralization happened by luck too with btc um it could have also been like super centralized if only you know 10 people minded or something but um in in luna v2's case like it's interesting how decentralized it became spontaneously, and on top of that, I think you have a bunch of validators who probably understand the principles of the original problem much better than most blockchains, um, right? Like it's a lesson in pain, like max, absolute max pain, and that's a lesson that can't be taught any other way yeah. but by a max pain. I don't know.
3: And, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin being like the first of these for the most part, and the barrier to entry being relatively low that people could just open up their PC and and run a program. It would start securing the network and mining and they'd get rewards from it. Like that incentivized a lot of people to get in early, but it also people would just hobbyists would be a push button and say, I'm going to try it. I did that in like 2011 or I mined some Bitcoin uh, on my laptop and it was grossly inefficient, but I did it for the hell of it. And I helped to secure the network and decentralize it. At least for that period of time, if we were to somehow get the barrier to validation down tremendously, such that hobbyists and people can open up their computer and do it for a while and hook up and, and assist with validation and get a share of it without screwing things up, like that's what that's uh, really, what
1: that's what Reese is experimenting with on the Joe Chain, <laughs> like it created like this hybrid proof of stake proof of work thing, where people can participate in that manner exactly like you're saying. So yeah, it's interesting stuff.
3: But at the same time, at the same time, as much as as Bitcoin is decentralized, there are some huge whales that got in really early that have a lot of Bitcoin. Some of which they're very patient and they keep dormant for extremely long periods of time, and then suddenly they move it and whip the market around. You know, there's whale words to say you know like min- millions and millions and millions of dollars where the BTC is moving from the exchange to a wallet and then back from wallets to the exchange, and they manipulate the price and they and they learn to be very good traders. Some may be institutions, and some are. Just individuals who have been in control quietly, can, unknown you can use for large a very amounts, long time.
1: Yeah, you can use large amounts just to signal the market. Uh, and right. you don't even have to sell the position you're actually shuffling around. You can just signal the market and like, have another position somewhere that uh, is affected by that signal mechanism, right? It's like Because every time you yeah. move from wallet to a place, like someone's watching that and it, and it sends a message. And <laughs> if it's a large enough wallet, the message is read louder, if that makes sense. Right, you know yeah, what nobody, nobody will do.
4: Oh, does nobody in here find it that
5: it's possible that uh, during DPEG, all the volume was traded on Binance. You could see it like a couple of times the total supply was being traded before the, the, they delisted it for a day. Does nobody think that it's a possibility that they own most of the supply? Because also if you look in the order books, after the BUSD thingy uh, was launched, they, they delisted for a night and then relaunched a new pair. Uh, you could see that initially um, there was bigger sell orders and buy orders in the double-digit billion, yeah. like triple-digit ones. Uh, does nobody think that actually Binance can be holding most of the supply?
1: Because supply... it must be somewhere. But CZ's yeah, like, mm. demeanor and like comments and things, I don't believe a fucking word the guy said as far as him not understanding Luna, understanding UST. What happened to Luna Classic? What happened to Luna? There's a reason he like he listened, quote unquote, listened to the the Luna Classic community and this and that at the time. And it's because he knows damn well what was going on. So like that sort of like him feigning ignorance seemed a bit weird to me. Um, There's no way he was ignorant of that. Like one of the most important like sort of crypto developments of all time you know and the crash and everything else like oh we didn't really know what's going on or whatever so yeah I no but
5: what's it? the end plan? what's the what yeah. is he playing because he yeah. must be holding most of the coins right
6: wasn't finance so... one of the platforms that had so-called native ust integration which yes. i'm guessing i don't really know what this means but my guess at the time was they had access to the mint burn mechanism so they could mint ust on their chains yes,
1: that's correct Yep. So they had power.
6: Case, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can't integrate with that. You can't integrate with that without knowing what the hell it is. They knew they knew what they got into. There's no way they would have integrated that without knowing what it was. Because the it's guys, specialized the goal? code.
5: What what's yeah. their goal? Why are they holding all this why did they uh, if they did, why did they buy up all this supply and what are they going to do with it? Like uh oh.
3: Well, they're certainly keeping people on their exchange, right? They're keep keeping people trading with them. A tremendous amount of lunk value goes on Binance and people have wallets there. So it, it, it holds on to users and attention in that way. Yeah,
5: but 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 look, uh, it's like uh, how many are like, like for sure there is like two to three trillion coins on Binance. Uh, and we don't know how many uh, they they have additionally right um do you guys really think it's retail wallets and they're just trading this stuff and whatever like uh, i don't see it because the books would have been full all the time when it was uh, spiking in in summer you know you couldn't see that the volume is always like uh you can always see in the books that there is like i don't know maybe 20 billion coins in total Where's the rest, if it, if retail is holding it, uh, it must be the first time that retail has like diamond hands, uh, <laughs> you know, like crazy diamond hands uh, in the lung community. I, I don't buy it. Somebody's holding that stuff.
6: From what so it sounds like, it, from a technical perspective, it would make most sense that it's probably in some secondary account in Binance, which is involved in like the mint burn process, where if they requested... Some amount of uh, I forget which way you'd have to go if the price was dumping at the time. But like, say I want you know eight, you know three trillion Luna, and then I request that from my integration and pay my UST, um, then it probably goes into some internal account. and Then the chain gets halted. And then it just sort of stays there before it even gets paid out into you know the place it was requested for. Like if they if they run a market right, they want to get liquidity and they want to you know keep the peg or whatever and so they use this mechanism but it doesn't mean that someone's directly trading in and getting that lunar into their account so even if they're not doing anything terrible like spf was doing using custom funds it could well be just tied up internally inside binance which means controlled by binance
5: so okay that makes sense but what are they doing now with it? what's their plan because uh, something is going on you can tell me that they just just sitting there and, uh, you know, like, letting things happen.
6: I'd be scared to touch it. Like, I just hope everyone forgets about it.
5: (laughs) I don't know. uh, Like, it's it's a burden, but it's also an opportunity
4: for them to do something with it, no?
6: Sure, but not within a year or two of the event happening. Like, especially when the price is so low and people are still interested in it. Like, if the price can go up you know, 10 times, then you have to do a lot less to make a lot more money. Um, yeah, I don't know, like this whole um, this many trillions or whatever without anyone really knowing what it is. It's sort of like a, I'm really not sure why people would want to stay and build on this. But you know, it's fun, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, for the memes.
4: I mean, I just want to know what's going to happen. You know, I would care to know what, what, what Binance is thinking.
6: The planning. Well, unless there's an audit that comes out uh, showing where it is and how it got there, and then maybe what's going to happen to it, it's going to be a mystery, as far as I understand.
5: Like I'm, I'm wondering. I'm always amazed that uh, nobody's really questioning this in the Lung community. Everybody's so, so like focused on everything, but but nobody's asking the question like where are the rest of the coin, what's going to happen with them? Why is nobody? trading them, dumping them, staking them, whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's always uh, uh, weird to me that nobody's asking this stuff or discussing it in the community, I don't know.
6: Well, if if there's much drama from a small security issue um, that could be resolved, I think uh, something like this is maybe in the terror, like uh, existential terror uh, parts of people's brains and they really don't want to discuss it or think about it.
3: There are some animals that and and even some indigenous cultures, we understand that like there's you know think, there's records of times where like when uh when ships would come to uh or airplanes would come to like an island where they'd never seen a ship before, like the the people didn't realize that it was a ship, they had no way to comprehend what they were seeing at all, and so they basically ignored it. They didn't see it on the horizon and say, oh, a ship. Oh, what's happening? What's coming towards us? Instead, it was just like not on their radar at all. And I think that maybe there's some of that with our, our brave colonists of the Lunk chain is that these issues are so big and so outside of what they're used to deal with. And what they're used to deal with is number go up, number go down on, on a centralized exchange mm. and rah, rah, rah for SHIB. Right? That's, that's what they're used to. They're not used to the problems and the, the things about securing a chain or threats to a chain and who has control of the chain. Like This is all new. And that's why they're willing to get all rah, rah, rah about individual validators because they understand that. It's kind of like the, the sports team mentality. But um, And you see that a lot with tokens that don't have intrinsic value, poo coins. People get behind it. Yeah, this poo coin is the best. There's literally no difference between it and everything else, but our number going up. And so we're going to rally behind it and we're happy and excited. And that's the level of thinking that I think a lot of Lunk uh, settlers have. Mm. And right now, so it's Poo coiners, it's 50% Poo coiners and it's 50% the entire population of Turkey. And that's it. Would you
4: say there's an overlap there?
3: No, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I think the Turkish people saw a bargain. Um, Man, I the
2: nation of Turkey. uh, oh the turkish people are like half of them are kind of just spamming my my page with crazy stuff and and like you betrayed lunk by whenever i hashtag luna or something there's about mm, 20 turkish people that turn up to tell me that um i should die and i'm betraying and i used to talk more about luna i used to talk more about lunk or something like that and they just I don't know. They have this weird, like loyalty thing. And the interesting thing as well about Turkish people is they always talk in terms of we, it's like, we, the Turks think you have betrayed. (laughs) We we think you've done this. We think you're, it's weird. It's like this weird kind of um, unified field of all of them. And whenever they
3: speak for one of them, they're always talking on behalf of all of them. Um, And it's also, I've also seen it where it's gone the other way for them where like they're not banding together, but there's one of them that goes too far. And then the rest of the community is like, brother, you are going to the Turkish naked nation. You're making us look like fools, exactly. the whole nation.
2: I've been messaged before by Turkish people as well. It's like, the, and the DM was like, we the Turks disapprove of X person.
3: <laughs> it's like
2: the, the field, the group of Turks are expressing their disapproval of, of one particular Turk. It doesn't represent the whole of the Turks. It's only that one guy. He's being ejected. I've even heard messages like, that's not a real Turk, that guy.
3: I've been, <laughs> I, I I researched them. I researched the Turkish nation because of their all over the lunk community and I want to know what's going on. And and uh th- they had like a, their version of the inflation report come out around December or January where they were only up seventy percent year over year. Only, and that was a good year for them. They got they got their inflation under control and it went down from like a hundred and seventy-five percent year over year to seventy percent. There it's interesting because the whole point of cryptocurrency, as I understand it, according to Satoshi Nakamoto, was to give people a currency that um, that they could use outside of government and wouldn't be subject to the government's inflationary policies and stuff as a reaction to what happened after the housing market crash and the bailouts at the end of uh, the 2000s, the beginning of the 2010, 11, and so on. And so the, in the Turkish country, I was reading articles explaining how people really have turned to cryptocurrency to get around the terrible inflation in their country they're actually using cryptocurrency for what it was intended for and people were transacting in, in bitcoin and ethereum on like a paper like a paper market like they'd transact and then give it to some guy who'd go go change the crypto coins and stuff like they don't not all of them even have their own crypto wallets but they would have this second economy at, where people could go to cafes and use bitcoin and and whatever and so i'm thinking the turks saw luna which was you know a top 10 coin um, falling saw a bargain, got in, and now are are caught, and they don't understand the sunk cost of it. But at the same time, if they kept buying it, at some point, Lunk bottomed, Lunk bottomed out, and the range where it, it's been bobbing around in this range for months now, up and down, up and down, that's still more stable than their own native currency, yeah. which is 70, 70% inflation. So Lunk has been a good deal, maybe, for the mm-hmm. Turks, and that's why they're passionate about it. Turkey not to speak like... on behalf of Lunks, I would never speak... I mean, I mean, not to speak on behalf of the Turkish nation, I would never speak on behalf Wait, of them. You... Only any individual you... Turk can speak on behalf of the Turks.
5: You are not the real Turk, man. Don't speak on behalf
3: of the Turk. You
2: just, you just called Turks Lunks by mistake, didn't you?
3: <laughs> I sure did, but I, I don't mind doing it.
6: Turkey is like the world's best example of nationalism that we have right now so it's like the last existing nation every other nation state's turned something else but turkey's still a nation and as to why it's popular i think we should all take a look at the turkish flag and then we will see why lunar is 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 popular to the moon
2: yeah it's um they're they're an interesting bunch because They're also the country who is the most unwilling to translate their messages into English. You always have to fucking translate them out of Turkish. No Turkish person is ever writing in English. He must maintain his own language always. Like I I click that fucking translate button about 50 fucking times a day. And it's like I sometimes I translate it, it's like we love you, Lunk Dow. Other days I translate it, it's like Lunk Dao, I want to tie you to a horse and drag you around. Jesus
1: Jesus Bruce, I'm I'm glad you're doing this service for the community because I fucking lose my mind.
2: Well, it's like, I don't know. I, I have like a everything is funny to me, so it's kind of okay. You can't really you can't really get me except occasionally when it just becomes like I don't know, but it's quite hard to get me. Um, but the other thing about Turkish people is they're extremely loyal in a in a in like an absurd way, and it's clearly been plugged into crypto and Lunk in just this ridiculous way. Like I get some really sad messages as well. Earlier, I saw a message from a Turkish person. It was like, "Oh, um, regardless of what is happening with with Lunk now, I'm going to still hold it to a hundred dollars." You know, I, I'm. I think the guy said he had like. Um, prostate cancer or something he was like I'm 52 I have prostate cancer and I'm good I'm just gonna hold it to hundred dollars and hopefully if I hold it to hundred dollars then you know by the time the end of my life comes I'll be able to to retire on some island or whatever I get messages like that a lot and it's like Jesus you, you you don't know what to say because it's like they have all of their hopes in it they have all of their loyalty in it and it's just this this kind of sad thing whereby it's really really harmful for their life so sometimes I talk I'm like don't do that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. And like it's mainly from Turkish people, this kind of um, feeling like this ex- extreme intense loyalty and this extreme intense hope and stuff like that. And you realize like why they get so passionate on the other side. You know, when I mentioned the, the lunar hashtag or whatever, it's because they really do have all of their hopes and dreams in it. And they really have this weird kind of tribal um, congeal quality. Well, where they'll pretty much die for lunk.
5: I think you have that uh, in the neighbor countries as well. That's like a regional thing, the culture, because I'm from uh, my parents are from Iran. And I think uh, from what I've seen, uh, I think that's pretty similar. I would say the the obsession and the loyalty thing, you know, like, Mm. like,
2: well, one of the interesting things is like they don't understand something like no, I would say no Turkish person except maybe one or two in the whole of Turkey understand the concept of like diversification of investing in two things at the same time or two or three things or something like hedging your bets or whatever for them it's like we choose a coin and we die for it and that's kind of beautiful but it's also kind of tragic right because you don't want to see them get wrecked but you appreciate like the the poetic kind of beauty of it at the same time and and just the absurdity of how the just the human mind is capable of, of forming these loyalties In these brand new digital domains and how silly that is (laughs) like it's so so fucking remote and abstract compared to um the evolutionary purpose of these things it's like it's it's funny it's weird it's poetic but it's also sad um
3: and i don't understand like the greatest mystery is still i i speculated that they bought it on the way down but because they wanted a bargain but i don't know but the mystery of it is why bunk of all things why where did that start what's the genesis of that I think
4: in, in uh, whenever it was, early May, it it kind of, it became,
2: it was the only thing really in the crypto market that was exciting for a little bit, and it seemed to have spread as well through word of mouth, very much so, like, which is interesting, um, the way things kind of spread through the country of Turkey or spread through, do you remember in spaces early on, Sefi, there were like tons of Nigerians, and one of the Nigerians, yeah. like
1: oh and some Pakistan. there's a pretty good batch of pakistan and people one too. of the
2: nigerians guys was like oh my nigerian friend told me and it's like this silly fucking thing where they've never used crypto before never had a crypto but like one of the guys in the village was excited or whatever and he was like you gotta buy this you gotta download the the app or whatever you gotta buy this and it just became this weird um
1: it truly just went viral by, by like the classic definition organic viral. yeah
2: and it became a hope for so many people and there were lots of illogical aspects to this, of course. One of the illogical aspects was a lot of the early people kept posting the graph of uh, Luna to $119, and they were like, "It's it's been here before. It's going to go back. It's going to go back here. So that was one thing that was kind of silly. Um, but,
5: By the but I think
2: also just the, the, the initial tokenomic change of the HALT, the stopping of the mint burn mechanism, made it fundamentally much more valuable instantly because people had speculated it was going to zero, right? And then when the mint burn stopped, when the supply stopped going up, immediately the fundamental value was much more. So the price caught up to that and that, that initial pump captured a lot of people's attention. Like it, it went up very much. I think at the lowest market cap it was something like 100, 100 million or something. Um, and the first, the first surge to like 10X that happened very, very quickly. And that really caught people's attention. That was like an interesting um, case study of resiliency of blockchains.
1: Yep, like it's just the price meme effect. I always talk about it. Like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Like, nobody cares about shit except what's going up, right? Like yeah, you, and you only have to prove it a few times, and then people assume it will keep happening.
2: Yeah, and then and then obviously the the meme magic and and the burn and stuff like that, and this kind of um, thing up the sleeves of the staking rewards was quite interesting as well the fact that the mint burn of the crash had directed i think i don't know what it was at the time but now it's like 70 million dollars it was more than that um in effective value at various points but that fact that the the staking yield was real value in dollar terms not inflation and had been basically siphoned away from the crash victims who <laughs> were fleeing um out of the out of the system that fact that that you know, that was there and that could bring all these people onto the chain to to receive the yield or whatever. That was like a, a factor I kind of had in mind um, when we began the revival. It's like they are going to come to the chain because they'll want to have this stuff. And that's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it's like, mm, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Why? Why did they choose it? Well, I think it was the only interesting thing in the bear market for a while. The only fun thing. I guess the only like story as well. This this comeback thing is quite interesting as a as just a fundamental story it's fun and all of the stories that emerged around it like room to play was quite interesting as well like this this um do you remember the early the early descriptions or metaphors like do kwan and his vc friends moving
1: out of the building <laughs> and the four people moving, yeah. Watch, but watching it all happen in real time yeah. um, it's like this weird like it's, there's very few times in like i guess the history of the world where you are in a position to watch sort of like anthropology in action, right? Like, it's like, like, okay, this is how this evolved in this weird way. And you, 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 you're in the right spot at the right time, sitting on the right, maybe like tower or pedestal or whatever, to see it all happening from a certain level. And like, you know, there's, there's only a few people that catch these things at that level. Right. And, you know, probably the history is written by all the other people that like, you know, you know, there's tons of other people that will write about these things or whatever, but it's really interesting watching it take place. And and it's just one of like many things in life, right? It's like, you know, this type of event is happening, happening probably across like, you know, God knows how many companies across God knows how many communities across billions of people, but to just see like a small su- slice of the sort of like the, 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 like the slice of the pie of the human experience, the whole thing was just brilliant. Like there, it's like a strange, like, orchestra or experience like that. You, you like, you're just the right vantage point with like the right color glasses with enough, like understanding what's going on to really get a feel for it. I thought it was, I thought it was, the whole thing has been like a fascinating couple of years. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I think it's uh, what I've learned about human nature is really incredible. I don't know. It hasn't yet like materialized into dollars for me, but the study, the education from being here and seeing this all happen has been, I don't know, maybe, maybe changed my opinion of what's possible in my life in your life or in, in general. And it's a little bit part of why I've become more and more active on crypto Twitter as things have gone on, because I've realized how quickly power and sentiment can shift and how much opportunity there still is and how new there still is. It's Watching stuff blow up gives you an idea of how they work or should have worked. And it just gets gets the gears turning a bit.
4: Yeah, if you have a good sense of things and you can, you, there are opportunities to be directors of these things all the time. I think
2: um, that most people miss. It's like these these weird kind of network flows and the flows of crypto and whatever. And there are these openings and things you can do that are just there all the time. Um, and it's I don't know. It's funny. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. I'm. Um, I'm also treating it kind of half like a social experiment for sure. And like a theater thing. And and just like, you know, those concepts, Sefi, like the merge or whatever. I'm just like kind of generating it to see what happens. <laughs> like I like the weird, the weird fractal effects that happen out of things and the way you can initiate things with jokes and the humor turns into like a metaphor and the metaphor turns into this weird kind of um partitioning of the community where they start to discuss the issue and then the issue becomes more solid in their minds and then things arise from that.
1: And it's this weird It's like the it's like the inner it's like the interference pattern when you you have like a lake of still water and you put your finger into it and the waves go out. Yeah. yeah. They hit the rocks, they bounce off each other. There's certain areas of the waves like it augmented in certain place where there's like troughs and like it's just this dance that happens. It's just like yeah. <laughs> and once you set it in motion it just it just keeps going right like- it's also
2: kind of like you, you it's like throwing a, a stone into a still lake or something and just watching it ripple out yeah it's it's the same thing you said you describe it's um it's fascinating how things can kind of take on their own life and become these weird autonomous mm, thought viruses that just transmit from person to person to person it's yeah, it's just a fascinating thing to me, and um I kind of had to do it as well because otherwise I would have been really bored, <laughs> so it's been like a social playground.
5: Bruce, uh, Bruce uh, you mentioned the W Luna gang. Uh, I, I want to read a tweet out to you guys because it's pretty funny. <laughs> and you, but, um, as well. Uh, look, uh, I wrote to them uh, I feel bad for a W Luna Poor Gang, who believes their billions of W Luna should be priced at Luna 2 prices, which only has a total supply of a couple hundred million. And then uh, one guy responded and said, uh, "How would you feel if everyone dumped all of their W Luna onto you, idiot lungs? Um, that feels great. What's 300, 400 billion more? How's that burn going like this?" <laughs> They're really mad. Like uh, it's already enough. Be- it's because supply, they, didn't so, get, uh,
1: they didn't get the benefit of jumping in on Luna Classic when it was cheap. They didn't get the benefit of the airdrop of Luna, which, like, you know, could legitimately do quite well. Um, so, like, they're just stuck in this weird quandary of this stupid RAP token that nobody should have mm-hmm. bought. And nobody should have ever listed in the first place. There's
4: a, w- I mean, they could have bought in, too, right? Because it's, uh,
2: There's definitely a weird they could aspect to this as well. Like, the, I think the ZK domains guy and another guy, they are the ones who are perceived to know everything. Like they can look at the code and, and they're doing various things and interacting with the contracts or whatever. And one of the guys has come in a space. Do you remember the Let's Grow guy came into a space and talked about this before, Sefi? He was like arguing that um, I think the ZK Domains guy knew about everything and he'd been messaging him and, and he'd helped him for long term despite wanting nothing. Like he went on this passionate rant about his generosity and whatever. Um, and it's, it's this weird phenomena where there are these two one or two like figurehead guys who have the ability to interact with with or at least like basic queries and things with contracts and stuff and the rest of them are kind of gathered around like believing it all and they have no capacity themselves to look at the code or look at the blockchain or anything but they look at these little nuggets that zk domains and whoever um, presents to them and they're like there's something to this (laughs) they've convinced themselves of this religion but they the only they only have like one Port of call, one person who can verify it all, one person they have their religion in now, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's like a: a...
3: Yeah, it's like there's shaman, there's sh- shaman The shaman yeah, shaman. He's shaman. the
2: contact: the, the Shaman oh, exactly.
3: Yeah, he knows how to talk to the spirits, and so we go to him, and then he comes back and tell us, and we, we do what he says because he has, has seen it. He has, he has gone into the Ethereum uh, contract, and he has highlighted the text word "Luna" in the ticker name. And he has done this for us, communicated with the contracts, and we turn to him. We dare not look at the contracts ourselves, nor understand it ourselves. No,
2: and, and he's he's posting constantly. So he must be doing something. And you can click on a link and you can see that that Rap BNB is inside the new Luna blockchain. So something is possible here. Some kind of transition between worlds
4: is possible. And like I'm gonna buy way more. We can break into the spirit world.
2: Um, we can go to the kingdom.
3: Things. We can go to the kingdom of gods, and we can take their throne.
2: It's it's very very cool. Like I always kind of I don't know. It's like I imagine myself way way above, like way way above the the Luna, the Lunk, the the um the W Luna community, and just these weird little fractal patterns. And this this guy with like these devotees around him. the, the guy who can understand the contracts or whatever it's just i don't know it's a fascinating thing i'd love to see some kind of um have you ever seen those um you know you know the twitter friends uh what do they call them you know when you plug in your twitter to a website and it spits out the relationships between all of your followers and it starts to draw up little circles like there's a maybe an um A health circle, a crypto circle, an art circle or whatever. And you can see how people are clustered around those people. And you can see who the primary individuals in each one are. Have you seen those kind of things? They've been posted on the timeline before many times. Um, They're quite interesting, just these graphical displays. I think you has seen some of those things. Um, But it'd be fascinating to somehow um, do like a high level, just like a high level kind of influential map of the lunk community and the w luna community and everything else and just see the whole thing because i'm i'm kind of imagining it in my mind and seeing it move around and seeing how things kind of fit together and change and stuff but um
4: it's it's kind of just has to remain in your imagination. Oh, can i uh share a dream if you guys don't mind real quick?
2: Yeah. An uh, actual dream? No. Stephen is uh yeah. Stephen is a guy i posted one of his youtube videos a few weeks ago. He said um I think you were talking, Stephen, about the, the twin moons thing and how it could possibly be be terror. Not to not to start you off, but that's um that's how I remember you.
4: Oh welcome. No, yeah, I, I appreciate that. it.
7: Um yeah, so it was actually it's just kind of weird how I've ended up in this <laughs> investing in this Luna Classic, but um so yeah, actually five years ago, five or six years ago I had a dream of I was basically chasing two giant moons in the sky on a four-wheeler and that was it and um so just by happenstance I you know I get into the Luna Classic community and then I see Bruce posting uh tweets about two moons in the sky and I'm just like how like it's just weird how that kind of all played out and then Um, so I was actually, when I was chasing the two moons in the dream, I was on a red four wheeler and I was actually listening to a YouTube video about Luna classic and I'm driving down the highway and there's a flatbed truck that drives by me and it's the same red four wheeler (laughs) that was in my dream, um, uh, where I was chasing the moon. So I don't know. There's just, I I did post a video, like you guys can watch it. I kind of explained it a little bit better, but another weird thing that also happened to me was my mom was actually telling her friend about my dreams and he was actually reading a book at the same time that she was telling him about it. And the book had a a story about two moons in it. So I don't know. It's just some crazy stuff. that's kind of like lined up and I don't know what you guys think about that, but I know a lot of other Christians have had um, dreams about two moons in the sky. If you go on YouTube and type in two moons dreams. So.
3: Uh, what I think is that I, th- I think that every human being is capable of receiving revelation. And you might think, is this revelation from God or whatever, but it seems to be part of, of human nature. I am the delinquent moderator of the internet's largest uh, special interest group on remote viewing, which is a discipline of psychic espionage developed primarily by the United States government um, over the course of decades during the cold war as a reaction to the psychic program that the, Russians had been developing. The U.S. government started programs. The army started programs. Air Force to study a psychic phenomenon and whether, basically, to try to replicate whether the Soviets were crazy or not. Because the Soviets were ruthless in and destroying mysticism and religion within their country. And now all of a sudden, during the Cold War, there are finding out that there were dozens of uh, Soviet psychic programs, and so it didn't make sense to them. How are these materialists? studying psychic phenomena when they've wiped out all the spiritualism and mystics in their, and religion in their own country in the name of communism so that's well, that sparked the them? well that's that's why they sparked out the um the uh we don't know what worked or didn't you're uh, i'm sorry to say but that, so it sparked the u.s government to try to replicate some of these things and they hired um uh some uh scientists at a major like r d facility that usually did like research in in hard physics, and uh, they began to research psychic phenomena and ended up coming up with a a protocol um, for what ended up being called uh, remote viewing that is meant to isolate out the individual um, person's uh, biases. But anyway, that was a long way of saying that I believe you, man. I think it's possible. I think a lot of people tap into intuition and stuff uh, all the time, and they don't realize that they assume that they figured something out. And that it's the end result of like a logical process that took place in the back of their mind that they solved the problem by putting the puzzle pieces together, but they can't track that back and find the moment which the idea came to them. And I think dreams, which take us away from the story we tell ourselves about our lives and put us in different stories and stuff is an opportunity where we can contact something and learn information about something. Many times things that that haven't happened yet. Um, I've had... uh, well, only in like the last five or six years, if I kind of come to accept that this stuff exists, and it's totally separate from my own faith journey, which is a different story. But uh, but since happening and since tapping that open, I've had moments of spontaneous psychic events, especially with dreams and people close to me that that I can't explain otherwise. And I was a very materialistic, uh, you know, kind of agnostic person for a very long time part of my life before coming to these conclusions so Stephen, welcome i don't know exactly why you experienced what you did i think it's totally possible um i'll give you uh, i think there's a book called an experiment with time that is available in the internet archive you can it's an old book and it's a, one of the it's a guy who basically saw that kind of phenomena right um where he would have a dream and then he w- would wake up and read the newspaper and realized that what he's reading in the newspaper were described the events of his dream. And then he began to do a lot of different um, experiments to try to, to watch this phenomenon. And he describes how um, the dream language will, will wrap itself around the later events. He's, he says that dreams are a mixture of the past, the present, and the future. And, uh, and I, uh, he, he talks about it. And a lot of the principles of this are similar to the principles of understanding the results of like a remote viewing session and that psychic thing. But so conscious or unconscious, I think it happens. Um,
7: yeah. I just it, think it's amazing that the, the steps that needed to take place in order for me to see Lunk Dow's tweets and like for me to even start investing in the Luna classic, like it's just a very extraordinary amount of steps in order for this to even to happen. And it's just, I don't know, it's wild to me, but we'll see. Time
3: sometimes Sometimes the stuff just w- happens in order to wake you up to, to what's possible. And we, uh, beyond that, it's hard to say what. Like mm. uh, there, were, there was a time I was waking up in the morning and I was laying in bed and I, I was halfway between awake and asleep, which doesn't happen often for me. I'm insomniac, but I was kind of waking up and laying in bed in this chill place in between awake and asleep. And I had a vision of a hot air balloon you know, like a little basket and and then the kind of the stripes that come down from the top and then go down to the bottom in the vertical orientation, if you that kind of where each stripe is a different color. And there was a little basket on the bottom. But then the bottom of the balloon pushed upwards and flattened out like an umbrella um so it still had a like that little cup on the bottom like a basket but then there was like a stick and it was like a multicolored umbrella with the stripes coming out from the center of the top of it right and it, I, I you know I, I don't i didn't really visualize in color or anything it was like a like a wireframe kind of a moving flowing thing the hot air balloon turned into an umbrella so i finally pulled myself out of bed and i go into the living room and my daughter is there she's like 6 years old and she had been she's like daddy i made an umbrella and it, she had multicolored construction paper. She'd cut out the kind of like triangle strips so that they were stripes are coming down vertically from the top of this uh, umbrella. And it was connected by like a ribbon of paper to what at the bottom of an umbrella, like sometimes there's like a little cupping thing that the, the pins, I don't know what they're called at the end of like the points of the umbrella. They tuck into that, you know, like an umbrella that extends out the, the ends of it kind of tuck in. So there was like a, a little cup at the end, but it was hollow. Like the um, like the the basket of a hot air balloon, and so I had those elements: the the hot air balloon element, the umbrella element, and the colors and everything. It was just my daughter made this thing out of construction paper, and so I probably saw that within forty five minutes of of waking up, and I have absolutely no explanation for it whatsoever. But the people who pick up on these things best are the ones who keep scrupulous uh, dream journals about it. Lunk,
4: thanks for letting me sharing guys. Guys, I think I'm going to bed. Uh, thanks for having me.
2: It was a nice place. Wait, is that a reaction to Grin's stories?
3: <laughs> no, it's uh, 3 a.m. here. Uh, no, he's he's, he's he's rushing to bed to, to discover he's, the magic of his subconscious. Yeah. He's, I'm
5: going to bank to uh, W Luna before I go to sleep, actually.
2: He's going to
4: go do astral projection. Pleasant dreams. W. Luna is going
1: to haunt your dreams, man. I'm sorry. Uh, You guys might notice, uh, by the way, like I posted a little uh, tweet at the top here. Um, If sort of Adam breaks out of its high volume zone for the last couple of years, I think there's a pretty good chance that like everything in the cosmos will simply moon for the summer. So like uh like all those little coins like stargaze and this that and the other thing I think all of them will just pop including luna lunk everything Explain this graph to a noob So what you're looking at here is um so uh the way this like volume profile works is the little yellow blue colored um sort of bars on the right form they, they show you like at what price the highest volume has occurred right so if you look at the um, the very highest volume zone, it's like right under seven bucks. But then you have these like several bars in the like I don't know, like seven to I don't know, where we are now, like thirteen, fifty dollar range, right? Where there's been a lot of volume and consolidation for like almost two years now, like starting in maybe twenty twenty one, ending in now, right? And then also the two hundred day moving average just curled upwards. It's like we're almost in an uptrend essentially sorry, I actually, I muted myself. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, what part did I, did you catch? So, um, there's like, uh, these, these bars essentially show like where the most volume has taken place over, and the current price is the top of that zone where like at 14 bucks Adam is where like, um, I don't know, consolidations happened for about two years, two years, is a pretty good long time for any, any asset. So like the, What that's proven is like, this is the range at which like buyers are found at the bottom for two years. So that's how you kind of form like price discovery on the lower end is, is with time, Um, time at a certain price. So that's really what those horizontal bars show as opposed to like a traditional volume, which just simply like shows how much volume has happened like in a given day or a given month or something like that, which is not nearly as useful.
3: So okay. over time you get a sense of like where the buyers are. Right. So if we, and when if there's we a, jump- when there's a thin area, when there's a thin area, mm-hmm. price can move very quickly across that thin that's area. Correct.
1: because there's not Right. Yes, that's correct. So like the reason why it goes really quickly through those areas is because those are areas where there probably are not as many, like um, there's not as many sellers. Right. Yeah. So like at this point, if you've held on to Adam between like, eight bucks and you know 12 bucks like you have no interest in selling you're, you're interested in selling like 50 bucks or something right there's no reason for you to mess around at that point so that's when like all the strong hands essentially have like accumulated and um but the, indirectly to the like what this means is since atom is like a major liquidity token for the system like when it goes up everything goes up because everything paired to it on the dexes will pop like osmosis stargaze like whatever right so the more connectivity there is to other coins in cosmos the more probability that those will also just pop spontaneously like it doesn't really matter if the uh if you care about stargaze or osmosis Mm -hmm. or something you want to get the cheapest ones you want to get the ones that have the lowest market caps why do you want to do that because these are on amms the amm will automatically drive the price of those coin up because there has to be a balance on the um you know, on the decks with the way AMMs work. So the thing automatically trades, it's like a bot in a sense. So like, you'll see, like, let's say, for example, if Adam makes it to like 20 bucks, you might see Stargaze do a 2X, whereas Adam might only go from like 14 to 20. You see the difference? like So the, the smaller cap things will just kind of like just go berserk but like currently where the price is um it's just like in this perfect magic spot for like you could see a repeat of all-time high for adam like as early as this summer in theory like you might see there and uh, like quite a few coins in the crypto space have that same little shape right everything sort of popped but the difference is is like um adam's position relative to its high is amazingly good considering how inflationary it is, right? Like everyone always says, well, Adam's bullshit because it doesn't do anything. And it's like twenty, like 21% yield rate or something like that. But at the end of the day, like um, compared to where it is from its all-time high, it's like um, superior to most things that have been around since 2017, 2018. So it's actually performing better. And you get the yield. Like, how fucked up is that? Like, so, like, this theory that it has to be deflationary or, like, fixed um, supply in order to do well is not necessarily true. It just has to have, like, the greatest number of new users, which has the greatest impact. And it seems like Adam's, like, like, meeting that, in a sense. And I think it's, like, useful for anything in Cosmos, all little things that are on, like, osmosis. Like, you want to buy some, like, silly little shit coin on there that's, like, really small. And I think that everything will pop like like Juno got a good sell off because of the idiots at Loop Loop um, who sold a bunch of it. So that might be a good one, for example. Um, but yeah, there's it's it's just technically looking very, very good.
3: You yeah, know, it's a lot like what happens with Bitcoin, too, right? Because Bitcoin, the, the two things that are in the most pairs of their cryptocurrencies are either like stable coins or Bitcoin. So whenever Bitcoin takes a big dump then that automatically starts this uh, cascading effect, of lowering the prices of everything else that trades with it too. Mm. And, uh, and then when Bitcoin goes up, that also can start bringing up the prices of everything that trades with it too uh, because it's in liquidity pools of so many other things, even though Bitcoin itself doesn't do much. And so the same thing kind of yeah. happens with Astro.
4: With, with Atom,
1: you right? Yeah, with, with Adam. Sorry, my wife's just there's, texting me. Yeah, another, I don't know why she doesn't. Stay there's, another away, funny, you know? there's another funny. There's uh, another funny important bet here, by the way, and that is the Adam Bitcoin chart is one of the best charts in all of crypto. Like, so that is interesting in that if let's say um, Adam jumps to like forty five for some reason, and um, it would basically against BTC, it it would break out against the long term like five year consolidation there and if that were to occur like you could really see just this crazy like exponential you know how these things work in crypto like that's my favorite time of the of all of that is the markup which is where like you know you might see adam go from like 40 bucks to like 200 and something and make like multiple sort of like um fib extensions and just go completely berserk right so uh with the general development activity the buzz for cosmos and everything else i think like I don't know, it's positioned pretty well. That's why I kind of like kept getting more and more, um, you know, like as many times as I could, like even under nine bucks or whatever. But like some people who like to play like the momentum, like they want to wait for it to go up. I always buy on the way down. But some people like to wait for it to like confirm and go up and all this other shit. And um, like now is the confirmation because you're about to have a true golden cross too, by the way. So what's happening is like the 200-day moving average is in, is in the uptrend. On, so this is on the daily chart. and. So a true golden cross is when the 200-day moving average is going up and the 50-day moving average crosses while going up, right? That's a true golden cross. And that's about to happen with Adam too. It triggers bots all over the world. Like a lot of um, things like, uh, what do you call it, like uh, three commas and all these types of things, they have like um, the ability for you to like target a true golden cross. So there's a lot of bots that tend to like engage when that occurs automatically as kind of like a confirmation of uptrend so to speak. So like a lot of these momentum traders, like the ones that'll put in a lot of leverage and then go in 10x and 20x, 100x, whatever it is, like those people hop in when those confirmations happen, which is like why it wouldn't surprise me if like the moment you get a 5200 cross, like on that whatever day that closes, you may see like a massive spike in the price right then because it'll trigger bot activity, um, like, that's already pre-programmed. It's pretty cool stuff. Like, But, um, yeah, really, like, everything technically on Atom looks absolutely like the perfect storm coming up for, like, a real good, like, upswing towards summer. And uh, if you look at prior history, like, it seems like, well, summer seems like a long time away, you know, but, like, you know, it's February to, like, maybe June or something. That's a eternity, in a sense, in crypto, in a sense. And, um, you know, it can go quite a bit in that time frame. And the the velocity can be extraordinary, right? It's not like these these markups are just sort of like order books that are just, you know, like not manipulated, but like it's an order order book artifact that markup can happen so quickly. It's like that doesn't mean they're truly like, let's say Adam 10X is like it goes from like, you know, to $130. It doesn't mean there's truly like, you know, I don't know, like what, 40 billion worth of exit liquidity. It certainly does not mean that. So like prices can go up a lot and then they can crash a lot too. But that markup period um, can definitely happen um, in a relatively short period of time. And so, I think like the the absolute bearishness in the market is really good because that means like everyone who wanted to sell and who's like depressed and shit has already sold. You have like max seller exhaustion, right? So, like mm, it's much easier to go up now um, and actually decouple from like stocks and all the other bullshit out there. Um, Whereas I think in the stock market and stuff, there's a good chance like there's another dump. By the end of the year, or like somewhere between now and the end of the year, um, and there could be a protracted recession. So, where the is going to go? They're going to go to crypto. It's like Please much make easier. Sure you
8: try the platform since it is gambling. It's why
1: <laughs> <hope to. laughs> like the, the your Web three casino thing. <laughs> so, anyway, like I think that um, Adam is a much like it's a pretty good gamble if I had to like pick one at this moment, and the yield is amazing at like twenty one percent because like some people have unstaked. So when people on stake, um, the existing stakers get a greater portion of the, uh, the yield or whatever. So it's like, it's pretty good yield. So like, you know, what I do is I just take, like, as the price goes up, like, let's say I bought it nine bucks. Okay, fine. Like, that means my yield at 21% with the coin price being up is quite nice, right? Like I might be making 30 to 40% yield at that point. I'll sell some of the yield. And then like, if I get lucky and Adam goes down some or whatever, like maybe hits 10 bucks again, briefly then I get more. If it doesn't, then fine, you cash out and leave it there and the rest of the bag sits. So the yield, you can like, you know, live your life with it or, you know, send it to like a gift card or something and buy yourself some shit or whatever. So like, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, And I think the rest of the cosmos will pop if it does. So it's definitely the one to watch for sure. It's like when Ethereum goes up, like everything in the ETH network pops, right? Same concept.
2: Yeah, very cool. Do you think it's a conscious choice that... Um, Luna has no BTC pairs
1: anywhere. It used to, like now it doesn't. I didn't pay attention. To yeah,
2: anything. when they when they relaunched, everywhere it was listed, there are no BTC pairs anywhere. There might be on some random small deck somewhere, but no centralized exchange has any BTC pairs with Luna. And it seems at this stage it's, that it's
1: conscious. In some ways, that's a good thing well, that's, because that prevents it, some it, of it, the value extraction by bot traders, right?
2: Yeah. And um and and I guess like the limit of valve Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, it, it avoids some of what we're talking about where we're where uh if it's only trading with stable coins, then the ups and downs we don't expect to be quite as extreme than if it was trading with bcc which flips around so much. It's maybe allowed you know, you'll notice a lot of times on days everything else is red, but then Luna and Lunk are green and then they tend to pump a little bit and then they'll turn red when people take profits and the other coins will turn green, I think. Maybe not trading with BTC, but being on major exchanges is part of that.:
4: Yeah, it's weird. It's like you want you want more potential for no correlation. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're just um just hanging out.:
8: <laughs> It's absolutely amazing. Thanks, everybody. I see a lot of people are going to the site. It's zero risk. There's no real deposits right now. It's just beta
2: um yeah thank you thank you thank you thank you everybody i like these like intermittent (laughs) intermittent web casino
8: advertisements hey bruce i told you three months ago i was gonna do this shit bro and that's it i delivered
2: no i'm happy it's just um yeah i can't really you seem like a good guy i can't really vouch for you too much right now because i is it audited or what like what's the deal with that stuff
8: yeah, they, once again, it's proverbially fair. So everything is based on a hash. So you can literally check. And once again, there's no real deposits right now. I just released beta, so when you sign up, you get a thousand free credits just to screw around, play around, and hopefully give me back your feedback. That's all I want.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for
8: sharing, man. Sefi, I do like your charts you post. I learn a lot from listening to you talk
1: about them. Those are cool. Yeah, I've discovered like there's not too much you have to know about this shit. Like <laughs> the, the the funny thing is like most of the things that are out there don't survive backtesting. So like when you have some strategy or whatever, and you run it through a computer mm. and like, you know, like try to prove that this thing, like some technique works, most don't are useless in predicting the future, um, in any sort of useful way. So like all there's, there's very few things you need to know. And that's like, wait, what are the things that most of these technical traders use to like position their longs and shorts? And, um, and, you know where is there lots of sort of like uh, what prices have there been lots of trading volume. That's why like the like my the number of indicators and different things on my trading view chart have whittled down to only the things that matter to me anymore. Whereas I used to think like when you first get into this like oh technical trading it's, it's like astrology this guy can see the future or some shit like this. But what like what ends up happening is is like the these things don't predict anything about the future. So what you want to do is just like use them to help your imagination, like help you sort of like just say, wait, like what price would I consider this cheap and where would I consider this expensive? Like, um, is this something that performs on an exponential scale, like a log scale, which is what I use for crypto? Or is it something that performs on a linear scale? And over what time frame do I care about this? Is it a year? Is it like, you know, I'm buying a stock that's a 10 year thing or something? Uh, So like, yeah, you you can um, it's like you can use these things to like just uh, keep an eye on things and get a sense of like maybe what is like cheap enough or something like that. But like beyond that, like uh, I kind of just say, well, okay, what price would I start wanting to get in? And if I am, am I going to go all in at once or do I just like go an exponential scale and buy bigger on the way down or like buy daily or something once like you're below a certain level? Something like that. You just have to have like most of the time, it's like the simplest things that like you could do. And very few people bother with the discipline to actually do it, which is very funny. Um like, you know, like you're watching it, you're watching it and you're watching on the way up and on the way down, you ignore it and you. everyone leaves the room and nobody's paying attention. Nobody gives a shit. Crypto's dead. Stocks are dead. Blah, blah, blah. And like nobody's posting anything. They're not buying anything. You're like, where the fuck is everybody? And then like everyone claims to be rich five years later when they claim they bought everything, but they really didn't. Like, it's just kind of very funny. Um, you see it happen like after stock market crashes and crypto crashes and all this stuff. And like, now is the time to be really paying close attention. Um, I'm not saying like today is like the perfect day or whatever, but really like, if anything, like um, I don't know, like if you look at BTC or any of these things, um, you could argue that like, once you're below like the 300 day moving average or something like that, it's time to start. And like, just maybe dollar cost averaging at that stage. And then like grab those lows as low as they go. And then kind of like, you know, maybe sell when the opposite is true, um, you know, and, and start selling daily or something. So it's like you could do something really simple as far as bot setups that could do these things for you if you wanted, and probably would turn out better than if you do it yourself more than likely like interesting stuff. Hey, Seffi, are you, uh, are you in like the
8: call room at the hospital? You have a very soft tone to your voice. It's kind of soothing for me. Oh <laughs> no, I'm home. Nice. You seem like you're in a nice, relaxed
1: state right now. Yeah, just hanging out on the couch and trying to wake everyone up. <laughs> That's got to be a Nice. Sefi's uh, voice
2: transitions depending on who he's speaking to. When, when he's in my spaces, he becomes like a, a calm, or maybe me and Grin and others, becomes a, a calmer kind of ASMR Sefi. And then in the more nerdy cosmos spaces, he's more like punchy and twangy. and more Not really. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's always changing, every, like every day. I think, I, I think Coach is right here. I do, this
8: is ASMR, Steffi, and you do have kind of punchy Steffi. He's exactly right here.
2: Yeah, and it's like you can – I'm aware of these things maybe by nature, but it's like the, the voice will go up, so it's like projecting from, from the face, and then um, in different states, it's like projecting from the chest or lower or whatever. It's like the, the center of your being will shift up and down. And now it's like fairly low. But if you enter a cosmos grand space or something like that, it's gonna be right at the top. It's gonna be up in your face somewhere.
1: I think there's also the things that like, when you're like having to figure out what everyone else is saying, coordinate all that, and um, maybe have to react to people on the fly. That's one thing. And it's one, it's a different thing when you're able to talk about something that Mm. maybe like you have, like, you know exactly what you want to say. And that's your thing. Like, it's a different thing. Um, And it comes out smoother. It comes out more like, um, I don't know, naturally, I guess, because it's like, it's how I live it. So it's like, when I say it, it comes out exactly how I want it to. Um, I don't have to like, be really, really like paying attention to what. I don't know, like I'm not having to respond to someone and then pay attention to like all my goals as far as what I'm trying to tell them. It's a little bit different maybe, I don't know. It's like oh, yeah. a different zone or whatever. It's also nice when you don't have to take in
2: all of the information somebody's saying um, and you don't have to also self-monitor yourself for exactly what you're saying. Like one thing I like to do in my, my personal time is like I like to go cycling and I like to have an audio book in one of my ears, or I like to go maybe walking or something with an audio book in one of my ears. And I like listening in a way where I'm not trying to take in information. Like if you consider that an audio book or a book is a piece of information, and optimally you might try and read every sentence and extract every point and like learn everything that's in that book. For me, that's kind of like a grotesque idea. And what I prefer to do is just like cycle around or walk around. And if I hear something interesting then I do, and if I don't, then it's okay. And who cares? And it's like, I kind of trust that whatever resonates will resonate and whatever I pay attention to, will will, I'll pay attention to, but there's no effort at all to deliberately try and focus on every single word. You see what I mean? It's, it's much more loose. It's like a, almost like a radio station in the background or something, or, or like a trust that I will get out of it. What I want without consciously thinking. And I like that kind of state, that kind of looseness. Um, and some spaces are like that as well. It's like where there's no demand. Uh, and then it's like things can flow better because you, you can, it's like your, your mind is in much more of a diffuse state. It's, it's like more peripherally diffuse um, and open. And you don't need to, to hold onto that like narrow track of attention. So it becomes more fun, more flowy.
8: Yes, I've, I've 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 heard that piece of advice from you once before. I don't remember if it was in written form or in a space, and I've kind of taken that to heart, and it's been good for me. I used to be a person that would rewind the podcast if I missed, you know, the last two minutes. I was thinking about something else. I've stopped doing that, and I've found it very beneficial. Number one, I can get through more information, and then number two, I just pick up on the things. My I, I guess subconsciously, I start listening when I find
2: something interesting that comes up yeah for me i just kind of trust my mind to put it all together um it's there's way less agenda um and i i kind of treat something like listening to an audiobook almost like it's another another sense in the total field like there's the sight the sound like if i'm cycling around or something there's the the feeling in the body the sight the sound you know the vision the whatever and then the audiobook is like another stream of data coming in, and the mind is focusing from place to place and enjoying its environment. And it's like, I don't know how much of the, the the audiobook or whatever I pay attention to, but maybe maybe half or something, and it's coming in. And it feels like the mind automatically kind of snaps back when something resonates, and it just goes in, and there's no need to like there's no need to apply some kind of conscious effort or willpower or something to retain the information or process it or whatever it just kind of does it in the background almost like dreams do or something um that that's kind of how i like to function just uh like a letting go of the will and a letting go of the focus and the planning and whatever else and just kind of trusting it all to to kind of work itself out it's um yeah i don't know i prefer it that way i think it's a, kind of a reaction as well because i used to be the exact opposite I used to be like entirely focused, entirely like trying to take in all of the information, um, entirely willpower. Like I used to be a person where I would wake up and every little uh, hour of my day was very well planned. And when I went to the gym, it was like I knew the exact workout and everything was like totally regimented in a really awful way. And I always felt like I was like f- forcing myself or pushing myself in all moments. And then now it's
1: like the opposite. It's like a, a big letting go. These these conversations do have a nice little effect of, like, randomizing our lives a little bit, right? Uh, it increases the likelihood you meet someone maybe mm, that you wouldn't have met in real life. It increases the likelihood you're going to hear something you would not have heard in your daily, like, banter or whatever. Um, it... Uh, yeah, it's it's like a, it's an interesting type of fun, and it, it, you can come in and out of these things like randomly too. So it's not like you're stuck mm. where it's like, well, I have to make an appointment at eight o'clock in the evening, and if I'm not there, and you know, then I'm going to miss everything. Cause there's always something else, right? Like, so it, it's it's a fun it's a fun uh, experience overall.
2: Yeah, and even in the spaces as well. Like, I think mm, not an ideal, but like one way of interacting is like you can start any time. Like you can start, like you can carry, you can enter a conversation or start a conversation anytime. And I think a nice space is whereby somebody can enter like right now and we can just start where they enter. Or you can go and eat some food and come back and just we start like you join the river and there's no pressure for you to, to uptake all of the information so far or something like that. It can just start right now. You see what I mean? It's like a looseness, like it's, it's no longer like, um, It's like the opposite yeah, of examination
1: or something. It's like people are saying things about something all the time all over the world. You don't you're not privy to every conversation that ever was. You shouldn't feel like, well, I missed something in, in some conversation that I, I Uh oh, my world's going to end. I have got to go rewind. It's like it's um there's almost like this like constant flow of stuff all the time, so there's no urgency to go backwards necessarily. No, Maybe, I don't know. If that's right, but I think it's the base
2: agenda as well. Like different conversations have different unspoken shared agendas through the social group. And sometimes it's to like ingest some information or sometimes it's to make some decision, but I think it can also be stuff like just relaxing or just fun or just exploring or whatever. Um, And that kind of thing can happen naturally. And sometimes people in the group kind of allow for it, but um, it's, it's very different to, to like a conversation as a problem solving thing it it demands a different aspect of the mind.
1: Yeah, there's like um like during the the like bullish times what happens is everyone's like listening for like that little bitty piece of alpha, you know, as it's called, you know, this like almost like the best way to describe it is it's insider trading, right? It's like hey, yeah. can I get this developer to say something that will like that only I know that ninety nine percent of the people of the, in the crypto don't know, and that positions me in a place I can buy this coin and make my number go up or something like that. It's like a it, and it's fascinating that in Twitter Spaces like like uh, for the couple of years we had truly like immediate access to people, and they would spill the beans on things like they probably shouldn't have like you know like tell tell you outright like on a Twitter Space or whatever, and, uh, and then you're like oh, okay I'm going to go buy that, and then of course the thing ten X's or whatever after you get it um that's always a good thing like um so yeah like there, there's definitely certain motivations when you're like talking with certain people to try to maybe get the edge or something like that in the crypto space for sure you know
2: what i feel as well so i feel like uh if, if we're in like a late night space as well i feel like it's kind of an intimate thing and i almost want to give a gift of of some kind of inside info or something you know like the um uh like i mentioned uh Suzu earlier for instance that that project or whatever Um, yeah like
1: well you know how it is like so like like, I'm not the funny thing is I'll
2: give like like a clue like if if there's somebody listening very carefully and they research that maybe they'll act on it who knows but it's like I'm I, I feel the it's like a reward for the the intimacy and the listening ear of people like like they've
1: spent- well, we might go on with bullshit for like 90% of the time or just sort of like stream of consciousness or whatever you want to call it but then it's like that 5% of the time or 10% of the time like there's some real alpha there and it's kind of we're going to hide it like it's a little easter egg you have to find it
2: that's the thing it's like but it, it for me it's like the spirit of gift or or gratitude or something it's it's kind of nice it's like you can throw something out every now and then
1: yeah like i'm a fan of giving the information away like i do like that um yeah, especially after you bought. Yeah, well, yeah, after you bought for sure. But like, you know, like no, not, that's not actually always true. Like a lot of times I'll give away the information and I'll never buy the thing. Like it just, I'm too lazy or whatever the fuck, right? Like, so it doesn't really bother me necessarily. Like I think it's, um, I, I think I enjoy like seeing other people successful. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> like I, I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm.
3: Even so, sometimes you post a chart and you'll be like, Adam is at this level, and you post your chart and then I'm like, okay, and and what is it, what do I expect from that? And that part you kind of leave open.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, there's this kind of, now remember, like, every time I'm posting something, it's because it's about maybe chains and coins I give a shit about. Um, it's like, I'm paying attention to them and so, like, tweeting, it's like a stream of consciousness of, like, you know, th- this is what I'm thinking about for some reason. Um, so it only takes me a second more to screenshot it and then like stick something online. Right. So it's not like if I have to cover everything every day, I've literally got an equal service to all the different chains or something. I have to po- sit down for an hour and like do it. Right. So some of it's just my stream of consciousness a bit random, just post something and that's that. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's not so intentional necessarily. Um, but, uh, but also like, it's kind of a, uh, by having the same sort of like markers and indicators and this and that, there's like um, maybe someone learned something about what I'm trying to say there. Um, Maybe they don't, right? Like it's just uh, like a few people ask questions. They'll send a message like, hey, what does that mean exactly? Like like, why do you keep posting those little funny bars? Like why does that matter? And this and that. Like, um, So, yeah, like if you go to the TradingView community, like go to tradingview.com and look at their forums, like people use this stuff all the time. Like they are quite – um, familiar with a lot of this stuff and um, really smart folks. And then, um, but then you go to Twitter, it's like you you get the sense that like, no, that's like a lot of the technical trading people are not giving away this alpha online. They would rather counter trade retail and fuck you over. Like that's basically what it means. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Or like you'll have people that post things where there's an arrow, right? Like, oh, price is going to go this way or it's going to hit that or and the, that's a lot more prevalent and if that's like okay I bought it I think it's going to go up and I want you to know that and buy it so it will goes up and I can sell it so there's that type of like posting too um, but uh, yeah it's, it's kind of a you see all different the motive you can sense in like what people put on the actual chart <laughs> like if they show an arrow or something they're trying to show oh look I'm smart I can predict it and that way like if it does do what they say they say like I told you so that kind of thing, right? (laughs) So, a lot of times they'll be wrong, but they won't, but you'll never post, like people will never like go back and say, oh, I was wrong, it didn't go this way. Or um, like, you know, or I got wrecked on my position or something like that. Nobody ever says that. Everyone has to be like a super genius on the internet, right? You're only wrong, you're never right. (laughs) You know, you're only right, you're never wrong. Which Which is pretty much impossible, obviously. So, that's, you know, that's not true. But yeah, like if people haven't used it, like uh, a pretty good tool is like if you use TradingView, the VPVR is nice. Um, like understanding like maybe the Fib extension tool just on the daily chart. That's all you need. You don't need all these little funny little timeframes and things. That's That can be helpful for your imagination. Um, like, yeah, you lose, using the logarithmic scale is helpful in crypto, not only for the upside, but to understand how bad the downside is, right? Like, if you look at the log scale, it's like, oh, normal move is 90% down. Okay, well, that will help you plan, right? <laughs> like, so that's helpful. Um, and then, you know, a few other basic little things to follow momentum and maybe volume, and that's it. And then the app for trading view is quite good. Um, and um, you can, like, sort of customize a little bit, leave it the way you like it, and then you can put any number of stocks, coins, whatever, using the same techniques. So that like when you change coins, all of the indicators are the same, right? Like so, you have a way to like set it up in a sense to customize or whatever. And that's pretty much what I've done over a number of years. And only a few things are on mine, honestly. Like it's quite simple. Um, so you don't like like more things does not make you all of a sudden a better like astrologist or something. Like astrologer, you're you're not going to like have uh, like more insight just because you look at a hundred different things. Um, and then there's a few other little things like that are not really technical analysis. They're more fundamental. It's like Bitcoin hash rate or something like that. And you can really make use of that. That has predicted like uh, the right time to buy crypto for like the past five years or so. Pretty good. Um, so that's called the hash rate capitulation chart. And that's also something you can like pick up on Trading View. Someone's coded it. Um, it's called the like uh, the hash ribbons, I believe it's called. H-A-S-H ribbons and you can just grab that. I think TradingView is free up to like two indicators and a certain number of things Um, but I think if you're going to do this in any serious way like constantly then having a TradingView subscription is probably worth it. It's not too expensive yearly and um, it's quite nice with lots of different stocks and different things so it's like the best um, best of the best as far as like, um, like this type of charting tool um uh, although like I don't know, you you don't need to have it or anything. Um but it does do a lot of cool stuff.
3: So can you can you do like cfis trading exposed and, and orient us on what like the blue and yellow means on your charts, the 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 red line and the blue line yeah. and and, and they're, yeah. So the
1: yeah, real real quick, like so that the classic um like mm whatever, stock trading, whatever, if you look at the news or anything else, you talk about the 200-day moving average and the 50-day. The 200-day moving average is the average price over the last 200 days, right? Simple. That's the red line that I put on there. Um, And then the blue line, the little squiggly blue line that goes up and down, that's the 50-day moving average. And that's just like the, the average price over the last 50 days. So, usually if like in the last fifty days, the price is below the two hundred day moving average, then that means like the trend is downtrend essentially. And um probably indicates a time where you're getting a good deal, right? That's not so you're in kind of under um bought conditions or like oversold conditions or whatever. And then when the 50 days above the two hundred day moving average, you're at a position where like you're like What's the right word? Like you're in a situation where it's an over um, bought conditions, and it's too expensive. Um, there's some other like variants on that, like time weighted average price and some other things that people use to incorporate time into the mix. Like how long has it been a you know at this price and all that. And then the volume profile, the VPVR volume profile over the visible range is those horizontal bars that I use. That by itself, like those few things, are quite good. Like with Bitcoin, there's also another interesting one, which is the four-day. I mean, I'm sorry, the four-year moving average, um, and that has been consistently a place where it's been a great time to buy BCC or or thereabouts. Like, in, so that can be a good one, um, and that generally te- has a tendency to tell you something about the overall crypto market, which is kind of cool. So, the four-year moving average is neat. Um, there are some other things you can do. Um, but like, and then, then the, to use your imagination, as far as like how much price is going to go up or down, like, like what is a good target? That's where the fib extensions come in, which is really just to say like, okay. Um, so the top of Adam was like 40, you know, like let's say 50 bucks for make it simple. And the bottom is 10 bucks. That depth of the top to the bottom uh, the deeper that is, the bigger the gain is to the upside, which is the really fucked up thing. Like So like the more of a retracement you get, the next time, if you pop above the prior high, the extension will be quite big. Like um, So like, if you look at the history of crypto, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, you name it, like you look and see what this means. And like, if you draw a FIB extension, what you're saying is you're, you're, you have this tool and you pick the top of Adam, you pick the bottom. Um, and the, here's the problem, you don't know the new bottom, right? So what you use is the prior bottom of the previous cycle to the absolute top. You'll be, It'll be more obvious after like maybe you it's the 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 prior like extension will be more obvious in the rear view mirror. Like you can't predict the bottom going into the next year, for example. You can only look backwards. So backwards it would be like Adam at forty-five bucks or something. And the bottom was like at the bottom of like the COVID dump where it was like a dollar. Right. So like went from a dollar to like let's say forty-five bucks. And then it's now dropped down to like seven again or seven or eight. And then now it's on the way up. So but if you when you draw that when you use a fib tool, you'll notice that the the farther the the dump and like the the farther the pump, like the higher it went, the more likely, if you break high again next time, that that will go like even more apeshit the next time. And this is like viral adoption sort of behavior where on the log chart, it might seem absurd, like, wait, what does that mean? Like, how is it that like, okay, you corrected from 45 bucks down to seven, like why would that mean you're going to go from 45 then to 250 or whatever it is? The extensions look exotic. Like you look at them you're like, holy fuck. Like it's like, it's at $110 and $220. Like, is it really going to go up by that much? But like, how much more proof do you need? Like (laughs) just go look at every crypto chart from the beginning. And if you can break above your prior high, the price goes absolutely apeshit, right? Like that's like, what we know of BTC, it's what we know of Ethereum. Um, it's when you can't break your prior highs, like in many coins, that's when like, there's this ceiling that starts forming. And then if another cycle goes by and you can't break the previous high from the previous time, then you're really in trouble. Um, so then that's like the death spiral of just continuing to go down. So like, what you might watch for too, some people, they just say, wait, if something breaks its prior high, I'm gonna go buy a bunch of it, like so for example when b t c broke twenty k like a bunch of people bought a lot, like I bought a lot like when it went like when it hit twenty k so the confirmation of like the ability to hit prior high again is usually a good sign, like especially over a long time frame, like let's say twenty seventeen b t c has a big high, and like you know twenty twenty one or twenty two there's a big high. So, the next time, like three, four years from now, if you see that hit again at that level, like let's say 70,000, then the probability of it doubling from there or more is quite high, right? So, that's the way you think of it. Like the break of a prior high over a multi-year timeframe is usually super, super bullish at that point. And you can expect a lot of people to take on long positions right then and there, pumping the thing like into a, you know, like into the stratosphere, right? There's no resistance. There's no sellers at that point. It just goes straight up, right? Just exponentially up higher, and that's called a markup period. And during that time, like you get ridiculous price action. That's what makes you rich. Um, now, whether you sell appropriate right time or not, that that varies. Like um, euphoria is pretty strong during that time, so there's a tendency not to sell as much as we probably should, or like underestimate how good a two X is, right? Like there's this tendency. Everyone wants a ten X, twenty X, and like you don't want to miss that either, obviously, but. Uh, there's a tendency not to sell anything like on a 2X and like then cry later or whatever. Um, so yeah, some people will just like ride from the bottom. They'll make a good 10X. And they'll just exit and they don't care how much higher it goes. It makes no difference. Other people will buy after a break of a prior high and then just go all in right then. Um, so like Apple stock would be an example right now. Let's say it goes back and it hits 180 again. Then probably it's like that's the time to just go crazy with it for example, I just get a lot. So this is a common tactic. Um, every once in a while, that leads in, into, a chaos, into distress. Like BTC this last time, double-topped, right? A double-top is kind of a nasty little situation where it traps a lot of people because a bunch of people probably bought thinking that, oh, look, we're back to 70K again. Off oh, we go into the stratosphere at 150, and it didn't happen. That was a weird situation. I think that was the FTX Alameda like, uh, like a lot of that was that like, they played that game and they figured everyone would jump in and they fucked everyone is what happened, and then of course like everything went downhill from there like along with Luna USD and everything else. Yeah, so that, I think that was a um, like almost intentional trapping of retail using traditional, um, traditional uh, like technical indicators. So yeah, be aware of that when everyone's trading on the same thing, it creates a situation for mass market like manipulation if you're a big enough player, which was I think what happened. Because I thought for sure, like, oh shit, like we're at BTC 70K again. We're headed to 150. Like I was almost sure of it. And um, how wrong I was in that, right? So, but yeah. But again, like a double top over a short period of time is one thing. To have it happen over a multi-year period, usually you'll break and go crazy um, to the upside. So like my guesstimate, like for Adam, for example, um, would be like somewhere in the 120 to 200 Hundred range and you're like, wait, that sounds insane. That would put it at like a 40 to $80 billion market. How, how is that even possible? It's because like on the order books, that kind of artifact could occur where there's no true legs of liquidity, but the price like <laughs> creates like crazy numbers. So, don't mistake like just because it like how is it possible for something to reach a market cap that high? It's purely there's numbers on an order book. It's like, there's no real money there, which is why like you can't like, if you you have to sort of take profit or something because the money's not even real right so someone's going to dump on your ass for sure don't think oh you're going to be just an investor or whatever an investor if you bought adam at like nine bucks or below like i did but if you're buying like 45 plus thinking that there's going to be enough exit liquidity when it hits 200 for you to like you know it's going to stabilize at a high price it almost never does like crypto almost never does like a square root type symbol where like It goes up and then just goes sideways from then on. The only exception to that was the Binance coin. So I'm like, hey, wait a minute. What kind of fucking manipulation is this? The BNB token would be like the example of it going up, like sort of coming down some and then going sideways, but not crashing like the rest. I don't know if that's like some manipulation by what's his name? Uh, Like um, uh, CZ or whatever, but like that chart is completely unnatural for crypto
4: interesting though
1: anyway maybe we get lucky maybe like the cosmos like has its has its year with like the the usual summer thing but remember like the mid cycle like the bear market type times it's been plenty of time to the downtrend right like it's a lot of downward movement so far so typically that's followed by some serious like um like bear market movements up to the upside and you have to wreck a lot of short sellers and stuff right so max pain is usually for the short sellers during that time so you might see some amazing movements even though everyone's like bearish and pissed off like because the short the short sellers end up becoming too euphoric they've made too much money and now they have to get wrecked right <laughs> that's how this works so we'll see what are you guys doing like you think uh by summer we can have like a a cosmos summer or what are your thoughts?
4: I like your thesis. Um, just looking at the
8: chart, I was looking at the volumes um, more. I think yeah, I think you're correct there. The only thing that makes me wonder is I I, I think we probably have another leg down with with Bitcoin. Um, I really think we're probably going to touch the ten to twelve thousand mark uh, before we go back
1: up. So that's the only thing in the back of my mind. Yep, that's where the that's where the volume is for BTC too. around 12k ish but i like the reason why 12k um would make you nervous is that kind of the reason why 9k would be likely though is like retail traders and like people tend to uh, place lots of orders at like even members like 10k and stuff so it usually crushes 10 percent even below that so that puts it closer to nine it's like yeah you don't really want to go there but it's possible um, it's like it would mean that miners are getting wrecked in mass, which may be needed. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, like, but at the same time, like uh, grills, the where mining prices right, like 16k was really already quite low, so it already corrected below the 20k mining price. So I don't know that it would necessarily go back to 12. Like we're just living a different world now. Like when BTC was previously like a few years back, right? Remember we have inflation we have like the cost of electricity and everything has gone up as a result. Right. So it's just not the same, like 12k isn't what it used to be is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> today's 16k is last year's like two years ago, is 12k or something like that. So there is that to keep in mind as well. I don't know if it like, I don't know if it would go down that low.
3: Necessarily. Right. Yeah, so that's, that's good to remember. And that's the same thing in a lot of the financial markets. Is like, if you look at, Okay. <laughs> You look at the 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 top of the last cycle uh, Bitcoin market, and if we we touch that, if we come down to that, test that level again, like as far as the value of our dollar, it's less, far less. So we're already below at that point. If we come down to like the previous cycles high, we're actually below what it was worth at that time. And so, how much further down exactly. do you want to go? Yeah, you have you have yeah.
1: to count like you have to count it for. Um inflation or whatever too otherwise you're not really measuring the same apples to apples in a sense
3: and at the same time too like the further down we go like and the closer we get down to these these levels where people expect the bottom as possible the more likely people are to start buying just above it because they don't want to miss it because they know that once it does bottom up down it's going to take off and so then that tends to raise the bottom up a little bit too so we may never reach the magic level of thirteen thousand. like if enough enough people
4: (laughs)
1: Yeah. The consensus is I would buy at 12 if it went there. Right. Which means you're, you're waiting in line with everybody else.
3: At 12, which means there's going to be somebody who's buying it at at like 12,500 because they don't want to miss it. Right. And then more and more people start stacking above it because they don't want to miss it. And then the, and then the bottom is actually higher than you thought it was. So that's a possibility too. It's happened every time, Like, like
1: every time, like I remember when like, with 3K BTC, it's like you're buying and everyone else is like, oh, no, it's going to 1K. Like, what? Okay, fine, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's, it was interesting how like these reversals sort of happened. But man, the secret's really in that 200-day moving average. Like, the, if anything, if people how you know how people say, well, the chart doesn't lie or whatever. Yeah, as far as the past interpretation, it does not. And average is hard to fake, right? So you can't fake a 200-day moving average. Like, that takes 200 days to produce that number so like when you see it in uptrend it's it's worth um like what else is there as far as like the need for a momentum indicator even if you crash one more time right your time that you're spending with your money underwater is relatively small at that point right cuz you're already um you're already at least flat that's the important thing so like what you don't want to be is like underwater for like 5 years or something But in the crypto market, things move a lot quicker. So, like, if you're underwater for a year or whatever and you're patient you don't panic, you're probably going to be fine. And then things go up. And so even if you made a mistake, like, what's the cost of your mistake? What is the cost in time of your error? Not so much, like, the perfect buy, which you're never going to make anyway. Um, And that's all you have to really think about in your head. Like, how much time am I wasting? Like, could I have gotten something else? Uh, But this is also a good reason why it's good to have, like, a dozen things you follow. So let's say you miss the bottom of something. Okay, fuck it. Leave it then. Go get something else. Like there's always a bottom on something else. And that's a reasonable thing to like, one of the phrases I like have is like diversification is not so much about just like, okay, making sure one thing doesn't go to zero. It means you're watching a lot of things for which you can find a discount on at any given day. So you have like 20, 30 things. And it's like, I look at my thing on uh, fidelity or something like that. Like, I was looking at some uh, robotic surgery stock or whatever. I'm like, oh, look, of all the other crap that's up, this one is down. I was interested in this one. I'm going to get this one because it's the one on discount today. So it allows you to have a basket of things to grab bottoms on. So, you, so you're not just dollar cost averaging into, say, like, maybe one thing that you're watching that you have to pray that it goes down in price. You have 30 things, and one of those things can be at a discount one day, and you're more likely to, like, notice because you're paying attention. So that's another way to think of the, um, this is why like there's some really good, like um, in crypto, like the killer app would be the bot basically that can counter trade um, like between stock related things and crypto related things and let you play the volatility in all of those things. And that would be really, really cool, but doesn't really exist on a like a really great level right now. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's interesting. Like that's something I could, if I could automate it, right. Imagine like you just take like a, I don't know the top 100 stocks or something, and like you're you're comfortable owning these one way or the other. You would have bought them anyway, but instead, like you like on a, any given day, you'd get the one that goes down the most, so that you can acquire more of it um, during like normal market activity. Obviously, not something that's like oh the company's going to zero, or whatever. You don't want to buy that one, but you know what I'm saying. Like the idea is like you could capture the the dips on things with a, a broader like overview of what's happening. And that way you're like putting your money into like the the best discounted thing of the stuff you care about for that day. I think that's an interesting tactic. Um, It's like you're always discount buying. You're going to the supermarket to buy the stuff that's on sale, not the stuff that's already gone up.
3: Well, you're describing a rebalancer, right? Like KuCoin has a rebalancer bot where you can choose a basket of cryptocurrencies and set the percentage of each you want to own by dollar value. And then if one drops, then you'll, you'll sell a little bit of the other ones to buy it and then if if, that, if one pumps and pumps beyond your parameters to a certain point, then you'll you'll sell that one to rebuy other trouble, ones.
1: Yeah, the trouble with the rebalancer, to some extent, is that there's not enough like volatility between crypto coins in some extent. Yeah, like, exactly. Everything exactly moves right. correlated. So that the thing is, like when one goes up, the other goes up, so you're not really like… Yes getting on anything the
3: the difference between them isn't as great as it would be if you could have one boundary balancer that would go between say like crypto and agricultural stocks or something because crypto tends to move a lot like like nasdaq but yeah like for example
1: look at look at ibm whose like yield is like five percent it's like almost a stable coin in a sense if you look at its price action right so you could have that while getting a 5% yield, but you have something else um, that, and, and you, you're setting this to accumulate more IBM stock. And then like if your Bitcoin goes up or goes down a little bit, it'll trade it and then get you more of the dividend earner, for example. Like there's not a great like tool for that in re- for retail to have access to something like that. Obviously hedge funds and this, that, and the other thing, try all that shit uh, to one extent or the other. But if you're just playing the volatility, like you want like, yeah, different things that, move at different times, like, let's say, I don't know, like, you know, oil and uh, gold and like, you know, uh, um, stable coin and like crypto and all these different things. And you, if you had a way to do it on a bot platform where like one goes down while the other goes up, that's amazing, right? You want the ability to sell one on the way up and buy the one on the way down. And, um, and then also like balance in some things that are in yield simultaneously. So like, um which you can't do in like a rebalancer bot right now is you can't earn the yield too like on let's say atom like why would you give up a 21 percent yield earning coin which is essentially risk free yield for like and then not get that while putting it into a bot even if you're getting the volatility right so you know that's where like defi focuses on like liquid stake tokens so you have like let's say liquid staked atom so the coin is going up in value you still have the benefit of the the value accrual mechanism of the yield, but simultaneously you can do a volatility sort of trading with it too, um, which, uh, which is also kind of interesting. But like this, you need a mixture of good coins though, that's the problem. Like you can't just simply blend one in that's going to like drop 90% unless you definitively want that when it's down yeah. that low. Um, and if something's going to zero or whatever, it's going to drag your thing down with it. Um, that can be a problem. So it's like, a,
3: and that's yeah. that's why the idea of mirror was so attractive, right? Because we would have exposure to the price movements of blue chip stocks and stuff. At the same time, we were in the same chain as Luna, and so you could switch back between Luna UST and synthetic stocks. And I think we're seeing more and more stuff like this in DeFi. But as a as a, especially as United States citizens, like technically, none of this stuff should really be available to us at all. Um, yeah I mean, so it, it really wasn't you had to go on to
1: like you had to go on DeFi protocols to do it yeah but uh, nebula protocol and some others were doing that before Terra crash they were they had all these cool things about to be built it was really amazing it's a like all of the fucking things i wanted to have like created like even that i whispered in all these development teams ears to have created and um was all coming to fruition it was going to be like it's going to be a really fun like Like, year with all the cool stuff being built. But then the UST crash actually wrecked a lot of really, really good, um, yeah, very interesting projects that I was really excited to play with over time that I thought we needed. Um, And I think, like, those things could be built again. Like, those things that matter still matter to me. And um, I think it's a matter of just telling the right developers what to build and when. And, like, a lot of developers are just looking for ideas. And it's like, if they could get someone to tell them, what an investor would care about and what would be popular, they'd be willing to like consider building it, I think. Um, and it's just like in a bear market though, the problem is all the developers are all depressed. They're all broke. And like, they're not interested at that time of doing anything, which is why they don't show up. Um, which is, um, which is kind of the sad thing. But cause it's the time when the retail benefits the most from buying everything, right? Like it's funny how like no one cares while everything's at the bottom and uh, everyone cares only while it's on the way up. Because um, that's how retail gets wrecked. <laughs> like everyone gets all hyped up and buy shit at the top, and then everything goes to zero or whatever—not zero, but you know—I what I mean, ninety so percent drop. We,
3: if we could, if we could finance the developers with ketamine or something to break them out of that funk, then we could yeah, have a new like, renaissance. Sure,
1: like you t- say, like provide everyone with like meth or something, uh, maybe some like <laughs> Adderall uh, or whatever, like the SBF. Like, I don't know, that didn't work out well for FTX, though. Maybe, maybe not. So we so don't need
3: them, violence. we don't need them to actually be in a bull market. We just need them to feel like they're in a bull market, and then they'll do what we want them to do.
1: Oh, yeah, like the illusion of a bull market in the matrix.
3: We can do that chemically and with gaslighting. We could, we could put people, but most of these guys don't leave their house anyway, so we could put them in a building and we can convince them with in-house like fake charts and stuff that they're in a bull market, get them excited and keep airdropping food at their home. And maybe have like one streaming lady who will contact them and, you know, be the handler uh, and lead them on like Andrew, Andrew Tate style, like lead them on through a romantic relationship. Maybe I'll come see you after you build this protocol, because then I'll be able to make and have enough money um that I can leave I can leave my this country. Is, I keep hearing about this guy. Does he have like a book or something
1: we can read? Like an audio yeah, book can that uh, Bruce can put uh, in his ear and like hmm. roam around his cycle and like learn about how to uh, maybe learn these techniques he has. The master not, of the honeypot, sounds like
6: not true sure about Andrew Tate, but with the um <clears throat> uh, having convincing people, what you can do is you can do a shell game and you can have three layers deep. And the first layers are like the, um, the you know, the people creating the experiment. And the inner people uh, create the experiment from what is known. And so basically, you just have to hire people and tell them that there's a bull run. Now hire developers to work on this stuff for you and tell them there's a bull run. And there's no way the developers will know if you keep them isolated, whether there's a bull run or not. If they only interact with people who think there is a bull
4: run.
3: If we're talking of billions of dollars of value that we're creating today. Billions of dollars of value. If we can just isolate developers, and developers usually hate people anyway and just want waifus, and so it can't be that hard.
6: You could probably even do it through like multiple discords, even. Yep, create trillions of dollars.
4: So no crypto waifus
1: for developers and um, keep them working using like maybe Adderall on a string hanging in front of them and like shake it, you know, like a carrot with a stick and then lock them in a small box and get them to build what we need.
3: No, you do it, that. You do that. You do that ninja string thing, like the ninja assassin string thing where like they're asleep in bed and cause they're finally in like a diabetic coma from the Cheetos and stuff. And they're like passing out. And then you have like a little string that goes down in the ceiling and like a little drop of like, a little drop of uh, of psychotropic substances like goes down the string and like goes straight into their nose while they're asleep, and they wake up just like amped up, like motivated. tripping, yeah. motivated and tripping, and sure. all they want to do is <laughs> like meld with the code,
4: and they never even know motivation on the string. All right, why not? Hey, Tebow. Hey,
9: guys. Uh yeah, I was just uh just thinking before as you're talking uh Nebula protocol in in particular. I um, was was quite hopeful they would maybe come back with something, but they haven't really uh has really been any activity online since May. That one in particular was quite exciting.
1: Yeah, those guys well the problem is without the stablecoin pairing um yeah a lot of these not, things don't work as well thing. right there's yeah you need that like difference in price action so that's a critical like piece of it um but also like nebula waited for quite a long time for a lot of particular developments on Terra to happen and then they released right remember members really slow and they were just kind of getting started um and there was also some other stuff like uh um, I forget what the names of them now are, but there were some there really was the, interesting
9: that things. That 4X one as well? Vortex?
1: Yeah, the forex thing, pretty, Vortex, That was really interesting. Vortex. Mm-hmm. Yep, a lot of cool stuff was about to emerge, and then, like, it was all hinged upon the usefulness of UST and other, like, international stables and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that rat bastard SBF wrecked it before, like, the financial security could be, like, bolstered or whatever. It's kind of sad.
9: Yeah, I try not to look back on it too much, but it, it did like it did really feel like we were at, at a point right before things were really gonna start to pop off. The LFG reserves were getting built, the four-pool the was getting like it felt like we were on the precipice of, of becoming like much more stable
1: or something. Yeah, it'd be like like iPhone. Maybe 3, that's just, uh, it's like iPhone classes. three, Apple, but instead of like us getting, you know, iPhone fourteen or whatever like a meteor strikes, you know, Silicon Valley and destroys Google and Apple all at one time. And then we're in like the dark ages. That's what it felt like. Um, it was a really kind of like a, a, a sudden disaster that, um, uh, like had it not happened, I think quite a bit of interesting innovation and, um, like backing mechanisms would have emerged and all this other shit. Like it just was too large an experiment too quick. And then like the, um, you know, like no one had quite imagined an SBF in the, uh, crypto industry, I think, like that's the reality. I think so many people got wrecked by uh, Alameda, FTX. That um, at the heart of it all, right? Like they truly were like the most malicious actor in all of crypto. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they had their fingers in just about every pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like it, it. It'd be shocking I'd find it shocking if SBA FBF isn't disappeared somewhere. Right? Like, of all the people, <laughs> like the guy just kind of screwed over enough people that uh yeah yeah he wrecked a lot of interesting like a lot really a lot of interesting developments are about to happen and probably soured a lot of developers to the crypto space for quite some time that had to go back to regular jobs or whatever the fuck and really slowed us down i think yeah it wasn't just like the- yeah well, we'll have to see whether
9: the new direction of luna goes Seems like they're build- like it's the I don't know. I I, I guess I, I don't I don't know that there is a, a set in stone vision that everyone's aware of. Or, but it, it seems like they're building out more of a. I don't know. Just like just the way they're focusing on general tooling and this alliance module, it seems like they're building more of like a ease of ease of use sort of for crypto in general, as opposed to like building out the stable coin and creating the financial hub. It's more of like a tooling hub almost. Which is yeah, exactly. To, in its
3: exactly. own ways. If I could have described Luna and Terra in any way to anybody before the crash, it was like the most financially oriented chain where every, everything was about like the actual that's DeFi true. part. Even yeah, to the true. point where when NFTs came in, like the first couple NFT projects hit big because they were new and people wanted to show like chain patriotism but then NFTs and Terra were kind of fizzling out really fast for the most part but yeah it was it was all about the defi most of the people most of the people who had the pocket the deep pockets like they just wanted to make more yields they were so far into like yield farming and stuff on, on terra like that's what they were into and they didn't even care about like the distraction of like NFT and stuff beyond like a certain a certain novelty point Whereas the other chains are much more party and PooCoin and whatever, like Terra was very like, what financial primitives and instruments can we build? And then how can we use those building blocks to do more interesting things? And so we, and then at the same time, we yeah, the had la- the, the vast
1: majority of Terra, um, I guess, like, mm, what do you want to call it? The Twitter people, the YouTube people, et cetera. Like, there's way more people that were just straight like financial nerds than almost any other chain that you can imagine right pretty much like it was just all financial nerds like that's like so yeah a lot of people i guess obviously put um, maybe too much faith in the system obviously but it was also because the type of stuff that was being built was not sort of like most of it was not like rug pullville it was more like things designed to create like serious financial utility that's what uh,
9: really drew me. And like, I mean, exactly. I, I stumbled upon some Terra spaces, you know, yeah. and it was like, oh, these people are actually talking about how you can use these different tools in conjunction with each other. And then, like, it's it a lot more sort of, I mean, it's still fun, but it was a lot more sort of serious and not just like silly NFT spaces and stuff like that. It was, I was like, it felt educational. And, you know, I just, just through like stumbling upon Terra and being involved in that, Overall, I just learned a lot more about finance than I, than I knew before. I, was, I, I, I haven't really dabbled in TradFi at all. And so coming into Terra was like what sort of allowed me to sort of expand my knowledge of just financial things and investing in general.
4: Even if we all learned a hard lesson at the end,
3: we did learn. And we're still learning. And, and you know, right now, yeah, it seems like Terra, Luna 2.0, is about tooling to support the next generation of apps, whether they're on-chain or off-chain. But then again, there was the interview that Jared from TFL did recently where he described they want to make crypto so easy and cross-chain so easy that, uh, that it can replace like all traditional banking and finance, period. So I guess that vision is still there, and we have yet to see them reveal their hand on, on how they're going to foster the, the, the replacing banking part, the making it easier part, I think is really appealing. The idea that they want the application layer itself to be so smart that you don't even necessarily care what coin you're using when you're interacting with stuff that is going to figure things out for you. And you don't have to do all this finicky little steps to move money around and to change from one currency to another or go to a different chain because you want to be in this pool or that pool. And you can st- see some of that starting to come together um with the cross-chain stuff that's happening with the slam that the dash Report team is building that allows liquidity to move between chains, even though you're LPing here, your LP is still in effect on a different chain and those things that just make it so you can stay in your favorite little corner and access everything. That's appealing, but it still doesn't get you to the replace banking stuff. So let's we I think there's more coming. They are they are
2: I'm not gonna mention everything, but they are working on a bunch of stuff. Um Jared has said before that the, the long term vision is <laughs> to do away with centralized exchanges and stuff like that as soon as possible. And um one of the interesting things Jared said in one of his last spaces was that TFL have been working on a new settlement layer um for the last like 18 months and it was meant for UST, but it's still been brewing around and it's ready. Um and that he's or at least the team has also been talking to various payment processes and stuff so they're they're thinking long term and they're thinking about station as this thing that becomes like a a full centralized exchange experience um as soon as possible like okay so they've they've got the new station now like soon it's going to have the alliance stuff in um soon it's going to have stuff like dollar cost averaging and spot and grid bots they've talked about bots as well which is interesting. Um, and, um, it's, it's going to have all of the, the investment strategy stuff built into it. Um,
1: and also, yeah, course, all yeah, all you have to do is go to a KuCoin and Binance and go, Hey, look, we need all that, but we need that in our wallet. Right. That's about, that's, that's pretty much the, yeah, the concept. But like with
2: time, it's like all of these, the swaps between, um, different cosmos chains and whatever, it's all going to be handled inside wallet, inside, inside the station wallet. Like it, the idea is, I guess the contrast is like in the past, you would travel around with your little wallets. You would go from place to place, like wandering through the desert and and doing various things. And you have to connect the Kepler wallet to whatever and go to um, frontier.osmosiszone and, and do deposit. And it's just so fucking annoying and fiddly. And now everything will come to you. You'll open up station. Everything will be there. You'll, you won't know that you're navigating through this big landscape of fiddly things. It'll just come to you. I think that's the idea. Um, it seems like a yeah, lot they, of what they're the, doing. The right end user now, doesn't but, want
1: the end user doesn't want to go through all these steps, right? No, and they're much they more likely to. I don't want to go through all these steps. <laughs> it's like
2: it's like boring. It's like the the you know I've talked about before, like the gremlin beings laying the pipes, creating the chains, doing whatever. And then people are forced to, to navigate like gremlin land. They're, they're, they're like walking through the sewers and they shouldn't be. Um, they should just be on land using the toilet. You know what I mean? It's like, it's different. Um, but I think I get the sense as well that part of their moves early on are somewhat political, as in creating a wallet and providing it free to the entire cosmos and doing things like alliances and everything else. It's, it's almost like this weird kind of fungal network spreading out and infecting the brains of all of the cosmos chain people. And anyone in the past who might have some level of bitterness or whatever um, against terror and against what happened and against the way they feel their chains have been negatively affected or something, it feels like he's just kind of reinfecting them, like spreading out like this weird web, this weird network into all of their hearts um, by providing tools and like winning them over on a nerd level. And winning them over on a finance level as well, because obviously um Kepler and everything else is
1: four hundred thousand yeah here. like even now, like on Kepler mobile as an example, like you go on there you you know you go to like your atom or whatever, there's still not a page with like your total portfolio value like you get on the desktop version and stuff like that like the the experience is still kind of like a bit of a mess um, and like your l p s don't show up right there and this and that, no you know like half the stuff I bought and I forgot about it. Like it's sitting there somewhere. I don't even know what it's worth or I'm not even following it. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's weird, like messed up experience. It's not even as good as um, like your average KuCoin or like Binance or something as far as like their apps and things. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a lot of, there's a lot of room for like obvious DeFi improvement. And uh, like, it's a very low hanging fruit. And you have people that have already showed how it's done correctly, right? It's not as if you have to reinvent you're not reinventing the wheel here. You just have to copy it properly and place it in your in a person's wallet. It makes yeah. a big difference. Like imagine, like if you had all of the features of like what KuCoin or whatever has, but you had all of the different um, like tokens that are available in Cosmos. Like how much more transactional activity are you going to get? Like what two, three, four, five, ten x right the number of transactions probably. If I had to guess.
3: Yeah. Even to do something as simple as what there is in Trust Wallet, where yeah, you can hold your coins and stuff, but you can hit a button, and there's lists of different DeFi protocols on a, on the on Ethereum and also on the Binance chain and whatever. You can get to them from Trust Wallet and interact with them like inside of the wallet. They're pretty much just a web page, like refreshing in there, but the wallet's already connected to them. Um, and you can interact with those and dApps and switch between them. Even to have just something like that built into Station where it lists the different good actor protocols that are known, unless you flip between them easily and interact with them instead of us having to go to different web pages, some of which only work on a PC properly and et cetera. Just to aggregate those dApps inside the wallet would do a lot to get people experimenting and trying stuff.
9: Yeah. Do you think uh, interchain accounts? Is particularly necessary or relevant to this this vision? What do you mean? Uh, it's not an it's not a Cosmos thing. It's oh, inter- inter-chain, interchain alliance.
3: Sorry. Interchain alliance is the thing. Uh, interchain accounts. I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Yeah, no, I think
9: that's a, that's a Cosmos Station thing that they've been working on interchain accounts, where it's I don't know, makes it easier for DApps to function with each other across different chains and like, I'm I'm not really sure all the details of it.
4: Yeah. No idea. Seth, might know
1: if he's, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, I'm I'm not sure what all they're going to introduce. Like, are they going to offer like, um, like the ability to use, uh, like just multiple wallets. Like, let's say for example, like addresses, like for example, if you have a Juno address or whatever, you can use that within, the wallets or is it going to be something where they're using um yeah like interchain accounts or like yeah these cross-chain um like basically um the, the ibc essentially to to move tokens around i think it depends on what happens in the back end a big part of this remember is tfm so terraformer is like a very nice credible dex aggregator type of thing i think you won't know or even care what's happening tfm will basically find the best swap decks or whatever to swap whatever the hell you want on different exchanges and things they're going multi-chain so on terra station you'll probably be able to swap between things maybe with native assets and then all that stuff will just happen in the background and once you have the right tooling and everything set up there right then you can put like grid bots and different different things assuming you can make the the fee structure reasonable Uh, So there's a lot of cool stuff that could happen right there in station. I think that's a critical thing. Like that's one of the most like egregious problems in crypto is like the systems, like to do anything interesting, you have to go to a centralized exchange, especially for automated things and whatever. So what's the protocol that the guys are building for automation? I forget the name right now. Uh, Uh, Warp. Warp, Yeah. So if you can incorporate warp into some of this and, and, um, and some different sort of bot ideas, then you'll see a lot of um, activity start taking place because then like you don't have to be a trading expert to make a buck, right? You can kind of set and forget certain types of bots and things. Um, You know, it's like it mitigates the risk substantially of uh, whatever you're doing. And I think the problem is right now, like that experience is limited to centralized exchanges and things, and they're making all the money, right? Your KuCoins or Binance or whatever, they're the one like, um, like, you know, getting the fees and all that. And, um, if that can go instead into like the DeFi community, whether it's like someone like a DEX or the primary chain is making money, then that the chain becomes more economically viable. They really have to, we have to move that economic activity from the centralized exchanges, all that volume and Binance, whatever, it needs to move to the, the wallet experience, um, and I don't know, you maybe it's not even called a wallet anymore, whatever the fuck it's called. But like that needs to happen because the experience right now in most of crypto is just stupid. Like, like it's a terrible, like overall terrible user experience. Like, and uh, not particularly safe either for a lot of people. And um, like, yeah, that that's what I think is maturing considerably. And TFM, like I've I got involved with them like early on, like in their I guess alpha work, and they said, hey, can you test out our shit? Like, and I wasn't surely sure. Are these like rug pull artists? Are these guys legit? I have no idea. Like, you know, it's people on the internet asking me to check out their product. So I was like watching it for quite some time. And um, their their stuff has always worked. And um, They're good. Uh, they're pretty good. And Whenever, uh, my,
2: whenever I've had a re- issue, issue, um, like I kind of mess around with these things. Uh, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like the other day I was like, hmm, I quite like Astro and I quite like Luna. I'm gonna make my own de facto grid bot with with manual limit orders. So I was like, "Revel DeFi is um, here as well." I've been talking to him, but like as soon as I I mentioned there was a problem with the orders filling and stuff, they were right on the case. Off- they offered like to speak to me on the phone for an hour. Um,
1: the yeah, I've, sp- de- I've spoken to them before on uh, whatever, like you know, uh, one of these. But it was chat- very, very yeah.
2: like instant re- response and very quickly. And like two days, later it was like, "Oh, it's fixed." um so yeah like good guys very good
1: yeah so i think uh it's interesting that if they're doing the back end stuff when you use the actual terra station system whether it's for luna classic luna whatever it will be without question the superior experience like available in like in many areas in d5 there's very little doubt in my mind there so like they're building some really good stuff um and i think uh it can it can only go uphill from there i think <laughs> i mean better better from there yeah, it feels I'm like I'm they- looking forward to the mobile version too. I want to see what it does.
2: It feels like they had various meetings and one of them was something like what are the cosmos's biggest problems and how can we solve them ourselves? And the second one was like what's the long-term vision and like how do we become the true interface for web3? How do we replace centralized exchanges and stuff? And then the the solving of all of the problems um, of the cosmos. And I don't know, it's it's almost like a weird, like three-part thing. It's like solving the problems of the cosmos and then um, creating the the easiest possible way to to build chains or DAOs or whatever else, whatever you're doing, the most most inarguable um, set of tools. And then in the end, it's like the long-term vision. Yeah, it's like, it's still decentralized money, I think. And it's still replacing, the entirety of everything that a, a centralized exchange currently is, but it seems like they—he's doing it in a very strategic way. Like he's starting with, with some kind of um, foundational conquering of the cosmos and winning back of their hearts, and then you can move to other stuff. It's—I don't know—I'm fi- already finding it kind of like chess-like. It's—it's it's interesting.
1: Yeah, like the first I mean, thing I'm- was like when UST was big, like the Cosmos got interested in Terra only then because it can provide a way for people to get in and out of the cosmos with ust being the like de facto liquidity layer that was developing at the time and that made a lot of people in the cosmos super excited also made a lot of people in the cosmos super wrecked because it dragged down the price of fucking everything because it was paired to basically everything in a sense so that liquidity like wiping out was hugely detrimental but like You know, overall, like Terra and Cosmos in general, there's not a lot of interaction between the two. So, this is a big shift, I think, in um, mentality where it's like, wait a minute, like we should make use of the fact that there's IBC and all these different technologies and like people, and like it doesn't make sense to be disconnected from them. That was one of the things that bothered me about Terra, actually. You know, and I've mentioned it like a lot of times uh, that, like, you know, because I've always held sort of Adam during the time I held Terra, and I was watching both. I'm like, wait a minute, like, why aren't we, like, making a better effort to, like, bring in the Cosmos community, Um, you know, why all this, like, um, like, it's us versus them, like, what's this, yeah. you know, but there was a little bit of that for sure, Um, nothing really malignant, but it was definitely there, and it led to not a lot of integration between the two, like, even now, like, like I don't think you can buy Luna on, like, I don't think it's on the Cosmos station wallet or, like, Kepler or whatever, I'm like, what the fuck, what's going on, it doesn't make any sense. They've left it out of off of a load of um, these scanners and things as well, which is really right. F- right, exactly. So, so just a weird thing to have like a Cosmos chain mm, basically not connected. It's a little bit different than when Polygon does it or whatever, because they're basically a Cosmos chain running like you know on ETH or whatever. It's a bit different there, but when it's like I don't know, you're using Cosmosm contracts and such. You're not upgrading the chain like they weren't before. Like they didn't upgrade Terra V1 like to the full Cosmos package, and like they were having making these some weird decisions. Actually, <laughs> besides like maybe they got into the uh, euphoria of the Luna UST and like just fucking like were messing around too much. I don't know. Not sure what happened there, but definitely I think they learned their lesson and like are better connecting Cosmos now, which I think is very useful. So we'll see, like it it helps like allow liquidity in and out. Um, it's fine if like someone sells their Luna and buys Atom. It's fine if someone sells their atom by Luna and vice versa, right? Um, all of that activity is like kept within sort of like the ecosystem, and that makes cosmos better in the long run, as opposed to like, well, you go to Kucoin, you give the your fees to Kucoin or binance or whatever, and that money just leaves and uh, leaves the system entirely and goes to some other you know company or whatever. You might as well have it within the within the community, and that makes sense to me. It goes to CZ. In DeFi, we are CZ. Oh,
4: yeah. CZ is your friend. I think... <laughs> let me make a prediction. I think in within 10 years, Do Kwon will behead CZ.
1: <laughs> like, take his head, act, physical head off.
6: Well, there's a risk of um of that with uh, Kajutsu jitsu and the use of the seat belts. So, in the 2027 Kajutsu lunk championship, we might see that happen. Yeah,
2: I just I just reckon Do Kwon is the guy to take down CZ in the end. I I think there's some weird like celestial thing. You know, Grin was talking about um premonitions and dreams and things like that earlier well here's my premonition
4: Do Kwon takes down CZ in the end and CZ turns out to be a not very good guy
1: Baby Luna will probably like grow up to be like a little femme Nikita and like go like take out um, SBF for messing with her father or whatever right like that's a typical yeah. movie scene
2: that would be interesting. It's, it's already weird. in training. It's quite weird to imagine him saying Luna. Luna, go to bed.
4: <laughs> Luna, Luna,
2: come and eat dinner. Luna, do this. Like, we we see the name and the baby and stuff, but, like, he's saying Luna all the time. He must say Luna, like, 200 times a day. That's quite
1: strange. There's some weird, like, um, I don't know. But it forces him to make things right, because who the fuck wants to name their, yeah. you know, South Korean daughter after Luna? It doesn't do well. Although, now it's like this girl he, has to. Is there any yeah. proof?
2: Has anyone really proven it? <laughs> because that that's that, her name. Because there's another. There's, what did you say, Sophie? That that's really her name? You mean, or yeah, like like here's another oh, shit. But <laughs> if it's really not, and 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 another on it. he preemptively named her Luna, so he would have a, a story for the revival in order to have a cover story for rugging uh, sixty billion, which he kept. And then he can be like, oh, well, my daughter's Luna, so I wouldn't have rugged. And and obviously I've got to work my ass off because my daughter's called Luna.
3: We've been talking about that since May. My goodness. Do you think like maybe he'll be when he has something he wants her to do, like a chore around the house, he'll be like, Luna, I have a transaction for you.
2: I, I reckon it's weird. I reckon it's very strange because he's always like it's it must be in like imagine looking into his brain. And he has like an area for family and love and stuff. And then he has an area of DeFi and all the fucking words are just the same. <laughs> it's strange. Like it's his brain must be strange. Like every time he, think, he thinks about the real Luna, he can't, like every time he's in a call and he's speaking about the, the DeFi Luna, the cosmos Luna, he must automatically be thinking of his daughter on some level. Like it must be strange. Like I
1: think words are kind of powerful and they can't think have, we have, have, have associations. I think it'd be fun having like, um, the, the, um, like the Do Kwon wife come on and be like, um, so what do you, what do you think about Luna now? (laughs) Or like, what do you think about, like, what is the, what do you worry about it when you hear your baby's name or like, are you worried that like, I don't know, like imagine what the things that go through your head.
2: Like it must be. Yeah. Very, um, I wonder if it sounds something different in,
1: in Korean or whatever. There's some kind of difference well, a, a, that's a deeply um like that, like Japanese it's like a very it's, it's a very like honor-based society, right like a very um like I, I would think this kind of thing is taken very seriously in the family <laughs> so i my suspicion is that because the the baby's name is Luna, that the compulsion to work really hard to like resurrect it is basically like the highest a cop could possibly be when you're reminded of it um you know, every time you look in the, the baby's face, like it's got to be something special.
3: If anybody here is, is Korean, North or South or, or something relatively close, like I see somebody with maybe some Japanese letters in their name. If you want to stand up and speak and, and explain to us uh, barbarians how having a daughter named after your failed cryptocurrency would affect you culturally, we'd appreciate that perspective because we know we have room to grow.
4: Thank you, Grin. I like that. It's um, it's important that they feel they can come and speak. In English, preferably. Yeah. I think I remember one of the posts he said, I,
2: I remember the when his daughter was born, I think he said, um, what did he say? My daughter named after my proudest invention or something
1: like that. You remember the exact word, Sophie? Oh yeah, my 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 greatest creation named after my proudest invention, something like that, yeah.
9: Yeah. Yeah, it was creation and invention. I remember those. Those are the two descriptors. It's kinda of weird.
4: Named after my greatest invention. <sighs> yeah. It's there, like there, there's the, the there's true definitely, top signal, right? <laughs> That's <there's laughs> pretty much what that was.
2: Yeah there's definitely a deep strangeness to it.
3: Well, it's kind of funny because then Luna was reborn too. So maybe if he had adopted like a strong old man and named him Luna, then maybe Luna classic would actually have succeeded. But he, he instead like attached the life cycle of Luna, the coin to the life cycle of his newborn babe. And so then in, in DeFi. Luna had to be reborn again, new, as well, to match her life
4: journey. Mm. I'm glad we have the anchor of the daughter, though. I think it's important. Like, I think
2: the risk of somebody like Do Kwon, and I, I, I say this for myself as well. Not that I'm Do Kwon. I think I'm different than Do Kwon. For instance, I'm I'm from North Korea, and he's from South Korea. But there are other differences as well. Um, not many, though. Like overall, pretty much the same guy. In something
3: about the number of fingers, if I
2: remember. Yeah. Well, that you. Yeah, we
1: weren't. Well, you you got out of North Korea in the sex trade, right? Like, didn't your like mother whore you out when you were a baby? Uh, it's right. like it's terrible but like I know this is recorded and everything you can't really say anything about it but like, I remember that uh... you're
2: really picking up the, the AI censoring yeah of... uh, yeah really <laughs> Jesus um, <laughs> we're gonna be screwed well you're screwed for sure yeah um, well your reach will be the, low than the AI seems to, seems to like me it doesn't seem to bother but anyway what I was gonna say it's like a guy like Do Kwon who's kind of he loves ideas and building things and this. Mm, very ambitiously idea oriented the risk of him is he gets kind of bored at a certain phase like he makes this chain and it has like it's like a regular cosmos chain with seven percent inflation and whatever and two years down the line he just thinks like oh i've had this magical new idea for this this whole new um uh this this whole new like way of consensus or whatever i I've, I've invented this whole new thing i'm just going to do that instead and work on it obsessively he's one of those guys who's a bit like he's super smart but you can tell he will fall in love with a new idea at some point and you you hope that he'll stay with luna forever but he might yeah, not we have, we have to keep seducing him back and, for sure but therefore therefore the daughter is the anchor it's like it's like the one who keeps him here which is quite interesting He'd have to rename her if he was like to abandon um, the original chain. It's I don't know. It's like a it's a weird um, it's a weird shackle on him, which I'm glad we have.
1: But you and I spent quite a bit of time like making sure that all these people like uh, like keep their eye on the prize. Right. Like for a solid year, Like there's all the people that gave up, but we definitely did not. Which is uh, to say, like, you have to keep Do Kwan seduced. You have to keep the crowd seduced and interested and like make sure the attention is harnessed properly otherwise it dissipates it's not good yeah
2: i'm more thinking in like three years or something and it and it relates to the issues we were talking about as well right sefi like the the problems with proof of stake and stuff like that He, he might just feel limited at some point he might feel like he needs to move into a bigger cell um so we're gonna have to be careful to to anticipate that time, and to increase the, the pressure, meaning reminding him of his daughter and <laughs> re-quoting those posts in the past and talking about uh, in his interview with um, Zach Guzman.
1: Zach Guzman. He's he. Jesus uh, with the Zach Guzman. <laughs> and hey, that's and me. Oh, no, oh, don't do that. For, You're hurting me. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's it's like um, one of the things he said in the first interview was that Luna is my home and I'll be there forever which is quite cute but i don't know if that's true i think he's one of those entrepreneur characters who just like can't help but fall in love with something um but yeah we'll see
3: so we have to keep his family together we can't let him and his wife divorce he can't not lose custody he needs of that child yeah. he needs we need
2: constant retweeting of all those past posts um and and just this general sense in the community that Do Kwon is here with us forever and if if anyone starts saying Dokwon abandoned Lunk we need to delete those posts
0: thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether that was part 2 of a 3 part space hosted by the DAO formerly known as Lunk now known as Blossom DAO will Lunk explode immediately recorded on Wednesday January 25th, 2023 for Terraspaces.org I'm Finn thanks for listening Laying there at night while I'm counting sheep. Brain on repeat, no amount of please Would you shut the fuck up? Yo, I'm trying to sleep. Not till you write it down to remind your genius ass in the morning. When you wake up to realize it was nothing more than a weird dream. And you feel like everybody's on the tape, But things aren't always what they seem What's real to me isn't real to you Living this reality is barely new And if you've seen this little feud You'd be filling up your gas tanks too We're living in a fucking simulation of a simulation Don't look back or you'll get sucked into the miscommunication All this dumb fucking ruckus Drink bleach here Keep a tight demeanor and swing for the bleachers This ball is crushed. I feel like I want to kick the bucket over, spill the fun, release some of the means of hunting all these silly motherfuckers coming at us like we don't got a bunch of guns. or something these are the fucked up times we're living in and I don't need the judgment. Free the suffer, no need to suffer, the leaders bust at freedom, hunt disagreements, wander cold streets filled with screaming bottom feeders. Take me to your leaders, blasting propaganda through the speakers. So if you want to build, let's build. But if you wanna steal, get buried in the field Double duty at the rockin' Rudy Coppin' Fruity, not a newbie Got the Ruby's hustle, looking like Chewbacca Threw me through the window Fuckin' sue me, now I'm looking all hypnotic Bougie with a bunch of suckers I went to school with who barely knew me Students sitting here, fuckin' clueless looking at the next duck trying to see who the goose is Should've paid more attention to the hole in the boat Now tell me why y'all still vote